And now, introducing a man who can't wait for Saturday because in his words, quote, freakness, more like freakness, am I right? He's there to get his party on. His name is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am uh, Glenn, of course, and that's Paul. You know him. And there's another young man on your screen this morning who it's been a while since uh, you've seen. And... You're going to be seeing more of in the future because his name is Griffin Bass. And Griffin, um, how long ago was it that you were you were working and helping? It? Like, get, get, I don't even remember exactly what you were doing here other than you were just around. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was I, we got to turn uh, yeah, you up for sure. I was just uh, yeah, I was producing for your show. I did some of the bat around. Just I don't know, just every now and then. Whenever, kinda, whenever just, you didn't have somebody it was available, just, it was I just sort of the backup plan to the backup plan to backup the backup plan, if you will. Yes. Um. Uh, and Griffin has been uh, brought back into the fold, and Griffin will be taken over, as you guys know. Paul is going to be departing us come come Monday. Um, and uh, Griffin will be moving into that role, and we're excited about that. Uh, Griffin, uh, your thumbnail, you're, uh, you're graduating from Towson. That's what have correct. you been doing? Uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, broadcast stuff with Towson. And just kind of that, that was an internship, and so I. Ver- that's very that's very generic and broad. <laughs> a lot of Dude, broadcast. Yeah, stuff. But I've been fil- filming all their sports. I've been calling some games for Towson. Yep. And uh, it's been really fun, and I'm glad I can kind of you know get my foot into the door professionally now, and hopefully uh, continue a career in this field. All right, that's not an overwhelming. We got to step up. We got to step up to the plate. You need to like long walks on the beach. You need to like, you know, tell me about what it is that you like. You enjoyed a good fa. Like I just need a little bit more from you when it comes to on your Twitter profile, it says you're a dodgeball national champion. Yeah, that's correct. I am a dodgeball national you're champion. You're going to need uh, to explain that a little okay, bit. Okay, so nice. I played I played club dodgeball at Towson, and uh, Towson dodgeball team mm-hmm. were, really, uh, were really good. I did I did hear that there was a national. Now, what year was this? That was my freshman year okay. that we won. And then, uh, so then there was COVID, so there wasn't a 2020 championship. There wasn't a 2021 championship, because we're just a club sports. So right. So it's very limited. Yeah, like, they fun didn't day. prioritize it, yeah. sure. Um, so then we were back this year, and we ended up losing in the corner quarterfinals. Oh, you guys Nationals. suck! What the hell I happened? I, it's, it was, uh, it was disappointing. mostly your fault, right? It kind of, probably kind of was because I was the president of the club. Ooh! So do you have Ooh, like a, do rough. you have like a cannon? You just you just fire BBs at people? Yeah, I did for a while, uh, and then I hurt my shoulder. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I was, you know, it I was seems like you're blaming the injury for your failures, Griffin. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to. We had a good, we had a really good, solid team. Mm. Uh, our our core of seniors that we had this year mm-hmm. really stepped up. We what we wouldn't have. Who been did able you Who did you beat in the championship game in your freshman year? Grand Valley State. Ah, yeah. ah, the uh, Matthew Judon went there. I I don't remember their their nickname. They're I was the Lakers. Gonna, the the who? The Lakers. The Lakers. Yeah. You beat the Lakers. Yes, That's they were like six time defending champs too. Like, it was wow. a, it was a huge deal. Wow. Like Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. Right, anything is possible. Yeah. And who did you? lose to this year we lost to uh we lost to cincinnati oh Ugh. oh god ah oh, you should be ashamed of yourself we should we lost in overtime and it was uh i mean joe burrow kicked the ravens ass twice and you couldn't get any revenge at all we tried really it's hard pathetic we tried really that really hard pathetic griffin uh so can you dodge a wrench yes and have you could you've attempted no i haven't oh, attempted well, but i mean jesus i can I know I can because right, I can right, dodge a ball. All right. Um, <laughs> Griffin's 
Griffin. Griffin's uh, still moving into the role, but he will be taking over on Monday, just in time for him to go away for a couple of weeks. Yes. So this really timed out quite well. <laughs> is that Griffin's taking over the role just in time for him to leave for a couple of weeks? But um, you'll see a little bit of him next week, and then in a couple of weeks he will fully take over as uh, the new producer of the show. We're happy to have him, and uh, he will. Uh, he'll be growing into the role. I mean, Paul never really got there, but Griffin will grow into it eventually. Yeah, I suck. He'll get into grow into it eventually. All right, a lot to do on the program today. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, our friend Larry Colmus, Mount St. Joe's own. He's going to join us. He, of course, is the race caller for NBC and will be calling the Preakness after uh, he called the Derby a couple of weeks ago. We will catch up with Larry. Later on this hour, we will chat with uh, Chris Colmeyer. Chris Colmeyer is the softball coach at UNBC. They are back in the NCAA tournament. They've had a hell of a run uh, since Chris Colmeyer took over, and they are playing Duke tomorrow on the road in the NCAA softball tournament. He'll tell us a little bit about the Retrievers. And then um, also a little bit later on in the program, we will catch up with our friend Brian Billick, former Super Bowl-winning head coach of the Ravens. Of course, this week they announced the 30 for 30 about the 2000 Ravens, and he'll be back in Baltimore at the Meyerhoff on Monday night for the event they're hosting there, uh, presumably in relation to that 30 for 30. So uh, all of that coming up on the program this morning. After all of that, coming up at about 11.40, will be Weekend at Bookies. Weekend at Bookies is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Every other Thursday, we get you ready for the weekend of sports betting. Weekend at Bookies. We will have Andrew Stecka give us stats and figures. We'll have our buddy uh, Brad Cronthal from Alloy Sports tell us about the baseball and basketball lines for the weekend, that's all coming up, 11.40 a.m., weekend at Bookies, and then every Tuesday morning at 11.40 a.m., simply the bets. Um, okay, now, we've been waiting for it, and we finally... Oh, no, we didn't. No, no news. No news still. Still, no, nothing. So I can't believe it. So I, I guess it, it, it wasn't about the $4 tickets then. I guess the, the whoever said, hey, when they, they end the $4 ticket promotion at 9 o'clock, maybe they'll make the announcement. Nope. Um, Dan Connolly gave updated odds yesterday at the Athletic and still said that he thought Friday was the favorite for Adley Rutschman to make his debut. At this point, I, uh, I find that very hard to believe. And, and I'm, I'm split between the two. It's not just that I find it very hard to believe. It's that if it is true, it seems to be a, a, a pretty significant failure on their part to not be able to capitalize on it. Even if they were to announce today, after today's game, hey, by the way, Adley Rutschman will be here tomorrow, they are giving such a minimal heads up that they are making it more difficult on Orioles fans to be a part of the event. Doesn't mean it won't happen. It just would be a mistake in how they played it out for it to happen this way. On top of that, if it doesn't happen, we run into that would-you-rather scenario from yesterday where it's, do you bring him up on the road just because you feel the need for him to be here? It's not smart. That's not good business. There's just so much bad that's been involved with this, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be 
terribly critical. I'm not trying to beat them up for the sake of beating them up because, again, I don't know what the story is. No one does because they've been so radio silent about it. And that, to me, is the far bigger problem. You know what's going on. Do your best. And if you want to believe that the answer is related to the Super 2 date, then this plays right into that hand. That it could be specifically about the Super 2 date. And that would be a reason why they wouldn't want to say it. They wouldn't want to come out and just acknowledge, hey, we're waiting to try to get through the Super 2 status and get another year pre-arbitration for Adley Rutschman. They definitely wouldn't want to come out and say that if that's what's going on. So it allows for there to be conspiracy theories, allows for Jonathan Mayo to come on yesterday and say, well, you know, I think it might be Super 2. And me to say, boy, I don't want to believe it, and it seems insane to me that you'd be screwing with Adley Rutschman, but... I don't know what the real answer is if it ain't that. He's 24 years old. What are we How doing? How is he not here? What are we doing? And, he's t- and, and, and based on his last few games, he he's Adley freaking Rutschman. He should be here. He should have been here Monday. He could have been here last year. If he was healthy, you claim he would have been on the opening day roster. He should be here now. And if you're not, if he's not here by tomorrow, then I have to. And if he's not here before May, before June 1st, I have to believe it's a money thing. Well, I, mean, I, I just I still don't know what the date is. I still don't know what the Super Two date is. I think I just it's like don't. June first. We we really should and we should try to get an answer on that. I just don't even know who the person is to ask about what the date is. It's never been something that I've dealt with before. It's so different than the service time date, and it's so unique and so nonsensical. Because as we discussed yesterday, if Adley Rutschman is what he is, you should be trying to pay him far before he gets to that point. If Adley Rutschman is what we think he is, you should be trying to work on buying out arbitration years now. And every day that goes by, you're allowing more people to wonder, is he not what we thought he was? If if he was, why isn't he here? This is a problem. It's Look, if Adley Rutschman comes up tomorrow... And Adley Rutschman rips the cover off the ball for the next three months. We will have forgot. We will long have forgotten about this. But in the meantime, it is an unnecessary. I'm not going to use the word crisis again because everybody got so mad at me when I used it with the Ravens wide receiver thing. Um, and and on their website, they were all lambasting me. I'm not going to use the word crisis because I I try to use it tongue in cheek, and people aren't able to play along. I understand it doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of life. Anybody who listens to this show understands that I know that sports are just sports. It within that context, it's a cri- you've created an unnecessary crisis. There is no need for there to be this much furor and panic and hubbub and hullabaloo and throw some more at words out there, uh, Griffin. Step in, step in. Come on, man. Look, you pull out your thesaurus. There's no reason for you to create this panic at the disco. It's jarring, is what it is. I mean, because you could have done better. you could have done better. You could have done better. It's the yes and. You got to work on your improv skills. All right, yes and. Gotcha. Um, It's just not necessary. But we'll see. I mean, I I don't I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, yes, John, I promise I'm going to talk about the Nick Saban thing before the show is over today. But because the Orioles did play yesterday, let's allow our one-minute man to tell us if there was anything that mattered. It's brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Here's Paul Valley. All right, so last night's game, you saw the return of Jorge Mateo with second straight game with Austin Hayes, who then recorded three hits. And with these guys back in the lineup, the Orioles are starting to get more competitive. Jordan Lyles absolutely shoved last night after um, a weird first inning where two runs scored on a wild pitch on a ball that maybe Adley blocks, but Ben Boom couldn't block it, and then Ben Boom threw it away for the second run to score. Uh, but Lyles doesn't give up anything after that. I think he finished the game retiring 12 straight, went seven innings, two earned runs, no walks, eight Ks. Uh, the offense. They made it interesting. They got it to 3-2, but then went quietly in the ninth. Um, look, what, what what matters is that with with Hayes getting back in the lineup, with Mateo and Arias getting back in the lineup, hopefully Mount Castle this weekend, um, the team's getting more competitive again. And the Yankees have the best record in baseball, so you're already up against it uh, when you were coming into the series, especially when you weren't exactly the picture of health. But you're hanging with them. You lost that first game 6-2. That was basically over in the fourth inning when you were down 4 nothing. But then you make it back to games. It's been much more competitive. All right. Uh, by the way, I guess we need to uh, pull up the level on Paul's mic, apparently. It was – I don't know what the story was. But, um, look, I am – talk for a second, Paul. Um, yeah, you sound, fine. you sound fine to me. I don't know what the story is. I don't, I don't know, but it's, you sound fine to me. Um, a couple of things. One, uh, Jordan Miles. You know, I, I'm going to stop short of revelation, right? Because it's it's not as if he's been brilliant, but he's definitely been better than his career ERA would have suggested he would be since he arrived in Baltimore. The one thing that I always say, while we try to make Trey Mancini some sort of commodity that he can't be, I, I've said this a billion times, pitching can always be a commodity. Now, there's a limit to it. Nobody's giving up anything of significance for Jordan Lyles. That will not occur. It just won't. There's zero world in which somebody's going to give up something of significance for Jordan Lyles. But would they give up something for Jordan Lyles? I mean, anything at all. And the answer is maybe. Right now, Jordan Lyles is pitching to a 4.11 ERA and 1.39 whip. And while, again, he's done basically what as much as we could have reasonably asked him to, which is pitch, give some innings, pitch, he hasn't overwhelmed on the whole. He hasn't been great on the whole. He's just been kind of better than we thought we thought this was a 5.39 era type of guy jordan lyles is actually exactly what i thought he was going to be because if you look at his numbers the 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 era from last year doesn't tell the whole story because like i said it, it, it many times before in 23 outings he had a 320 era and in nine outings he had a 12.4 yeah, they all so count they, they all count yeah. but, but my whole overall point is he's going to give you two really good starts and then he's going to give you a dud and then he's going to give you two more really good starts and that's basically what he's done to this point this year and that's how you have a 515 era but still manage to throw 180 innings yeah in a season yeah i mean i'm 
I, I'm not sure if Jordan Lyles will continue pitching to a, a 4-1, you know, or if that'll balloon. You know, one more bad start will end up one, – the one bad start ends up being so bad that it balloons it up over five. I don't know. I don't know how this will go. But if he can dip it below four, you could get something potentially for Jordan Lyles. But, again, be, be reasonable about it. Something. Not something of value – not something that adds, just something for Jordan Lyles. And if you're going to put Matt Harvey into the rotation anyway in two months, you could trade Jordan Lyles and just stick Matt Harvey in his rotation spot to finish out the year for you. Again, you're acknowledging what it is that you're doing. You're a bad baseball team. You're going to be bad. Somebody's got to pitch. Somebody's got to show up every fifth day and pitch. Now, you also have to figure out what that looks like inevitably when Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall get here. And, you know, it's one thing for us to say, hey, they, by the way, they did announce Spencer Watkins is scheduled to make his next start on Sunday. Um, it's one thing to say, hey, Spencer Watkins' spot will go to one of them eventually. Probably the case. And you also have to acknowledge that, you know, as much as we knock on every piece of wood we can find, the likelihood is that somebody else will get hurt. So some of this can kind of take care of itself to some extent. But if you can get anything for Jordan Lyles, you try to get anything at all for him. And he's pitching right now as if he's a guy that maybe you could get, again, minimally something for as you get closer to the deadline. That's all about just about all I have to say about it. The Orioles will wrap up the series with the Yankees this afternoon. Try to avoid a four-game sweep. 12.30 first pitch for today's game. It's Jordan Montgomery and the ace, Bruce Zimmerman, on the mound for the Birds as the Orioles finish up their series against the Yankees, and then we continue to play the waiting game. By the way, Adley Rutschman had another home run last night. Went a little apo taco last night, huh? He went also had a single and a walk and threw out a base stealer. Well, how about that? And he played back-to-back nights at catcher? Yes, he did. Back-to-back games with a dinger. Now nah, let's leave him down. I mean, they play again today? Yes, and tomorrow, and Saturday, and Sunday. So how many games has he caught this week? Uh, the first two. Because they didn't play on Monday, right, so they he don't caught play Tuesday, Wednesday. Did he, did he catch on Sunday? He did. He caught T.L. Hall. So he, we, if so we set up Sunday through Saturday, if we try to do this over the span of a week, right? Like, wait, we can, we can. So he caught last Tuesday, mm-hmm. then he caught um, Thursday, Friday, right. then he caught Sunday, and he's caught Tuesday, Wednesday. So if we if we declare that last night was the final night of the week, it would go Thursday through Wednesday. So that would be six games from mm-hmm. Thursday he through Wednesday in the span five. of a week. He caught every game except for Saturday. Yep. I mean, it kind of blows up that whole thing, right? Kind of blows up that debate, doesn't it? It smells more and more like Super 2. That's what it looks like to me. Smells the fact that they more and more like it. If he were going to come up tomorrow, how have you not announced it yet? It's the infuriating part. It, mm-hmm. It's the infuriating part. Which makes is me that, think he's not coming again, up Again, at this point, the argument is it doesn't even make sense for him to come up tomorrow because from a business standpoint, why would it be tomorrow? I'm so frustrated by all of it. I'm so frustrated by all of it. <sighs> anyway. Orioles wrap up the series with the Yankees tonight, and then they host the Rays this weekend. Speaking of this weekend, of course, um, not not quite as much excitement, unfortunately, because there's no Derby winner. But 
it is still the Preakness. Uh, I'm going to be there in a dumb hat, and it's always a pleasure to welcome back one of our own here in Baltimore. He is the race caller for NBC. You will hear him again on Saturday for the broadcast of the Preakness. He is the great Larry Colmus, the pride of Mount St. Joe, and he's with us now here on GCR. Larry, it's Glenn. It's always good to catch up with you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Go Gales, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Excited to be back in town and uh, looking forward to uh, the Preakness minus the Derby winner, but we're still going to have a lot of fun, and you know it's it's always great to be here. Unfortunately, this is the part of the conversation where I always have to shame you for your baseball fandom. Remind everyone you are not an Orioles fan; you are a fan of the of the uh, team battling the Orioles right yeah. now. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, we're supposed to stink, Larry. How's your team yeah. do? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why we stink so much, but we do. And, uh, you know, the the worst part is that the Yankees are good. We can both agree on that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to do something about that. One of one of our teams, I mean, I grew up an Orioles fan, obviously, being down there. But uh, many, my many years at Suffolk Downs in Boston, I, I sort of just, it just stuck to me, you know. And, Not, I'll uh, never be okay what, what with that. I do? I'll never be okay with that, Larry. There'll never be a day where I'll be okay with it. But I, uh, I appreciate I you anyway. I right, let, let's let's go back before we go to this race. Let's go back two weeks because we didn't have the opportunity to catch up with you. Um, wh- wh- when did you realize what was happening during the course? Like, did did, did you start noticing it ahead of time, and and maybe say, "Hey, I don't want to say anything because." This is an 80-to-1 horse that we're talking about. When did you notice what was going on? No, I, I pretty much noticed it right when you heard it. Really? <laughs> you know, it was like one of those situations where you're, uh, you know, the, you see this battle that you expected to happen, Epicenter and Zandon, and, yep. you know, and here they are, and you're like, okay. And, uh, you know, simplification's kind of close. He's not too far behind. And then all of a sudden you look inside, and, and a lot of times, and most of the times, the late rallies come up on the outside of the leaders. And I see this red and white blur coming up the rail. And it was luckily Rich Strike being the only horse in the race that had red and white silks. I knew immediately it was him, but I didn't see until the very, you know, moment that I said it, you know, that he, he was actually coming and coming that quickly. Uh, so, uh, you know, it definitely was, was a wild finish to that race. And, uh, he was, you know, literally the last horse you'd expect because he he wasn't even in the race the day before. Right, correct. Did you like? Did you believe what you? Did you fear that your eyes were deceiving you at all? Because I I'll tell you, and I'm not. I I tried it one day when Gaffigan used to bring us all out, and I was I, I can do play by play, but I cannot call a horse race. I have incredible just admiration for the skill set that you have because it is such a very difficult thing to do. Um, did you worry at all that your eyes were deceiving you? Because just sitting at a bar watching it, I was worried that my I could not believe what my eyes were seeing. Yeah, I mean, I was just fortunate in the fact that you know the red and white colors were so prominent, and that you know uh, it was you know not a muddy track. Also, it was not sunny, which uh, is good because you you can get a lot of shadows along the inside there at the end of the Derby. And uh, that could have affected things quite a bit too. So there, there were, there were a few things going my way uh, as far as that goes. But uh, you know, it, it was just I, I knew it was him. Uh, you know, the second I saw him, yeah. it was just a matter of you know, how's this possible? How right. could this horse do that? 
I, I mean, I remember when when uh, when Tom called mine that bird, right? It was almost incredulous, right? Like, yeah. mine that bird. <laughs> yeah, this was even this right. was even a bigger long right. shot. You know? It's even more <laughs> insane than that, no question about it. Larry Kalmus is with us. Um, Larry, is it tough? You know, for, can you describe for the entire sport? The disappointment. I get it. There is no obligation from anyone in Rich Strike's camp to have run in the Preakness. But knowing you are excited, this is still you only get three of these every year. This is the second one. But can you speak on behalf of the sport as to what the disappointment was that they chose not to turn around and run Rich Strike in the Preakness? I mean, I'm I'm personally was disappointed. You know, when I heard the news, because obviously you want the. Uh, the Derby winner at the Preakness, it, it's what it's all about. You know, he's the storyline, especially after, you know, pulling off that 80 to one upset, he became like a cult hero. You know, everybody was like, Oh my God, here's this horse, you know, that, that racing, uh, you know, needs a, a positive story with this 80 to one shot winning. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, he's not coming, you know? So it's, it, it was very disappointing, but you know, on the other hand, you have to, you know, I don't, I don't train the horse. I'm not around the horse right. every day. And this guy, you know, thinks that that's the right move for this particular racehorse. So, you know, you can't, you can't get too upset about it, but at the same time, it, it is disappointing. I mean, obviously epicenter after the run that he had in the Kentucky Derby and knowing this is a shorter race is the deserving favorite going into Saturday. Is there, you know, how, when you look at a race like this, how does the impact of the two weeks, do you think, does that impact a horse like Epicenter versus maybe some of the fresher horses that are racing in for this? I think that's more of a case for the Belmont. I mean, we, we've seen time and time again where the Derby winner, we'll use Mind That Bird as an example. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, 50 to 1, had less than, you know, less than expected chance to win the Derby. He wins the Derby. He comes back in the Preakness and he almost beats Rachel Alexandra. You know, so, I mean, you, they, they seem to keep that form that you see in the Derby two weeks later, and then the Belmont Stakes, all bets are off unless they're really good. You know? So um, I think that's the beauty of the Triple Crown. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Epicenter had a big gap uh, between the Louisiana Derby and the Kentucky Derby. I think it was seven weeks or something okay. like that. So I, I think he'll be a fresh horse, and, you know, I, I, I do think he is very much a deserving favorite. He made a, a really sharp move into a very fast pace in that race and, and was able to withstand Zandon down the stretch. So uh, that, I thought, was very impressive on his part. For those that weren't watching two Fridays ago, what do we need to know about Secret Oath? You, you, make the, you, know, you bring up Rachel Alexandra. Is there, a, is there a comparison to be made there? Not yet. I don't, I don't think so. I, think there, I don't know if she has the brilliance of Rachel Alexandra, but she's an awfully nice filly, and, and obviously she was... Uh, super impressive in the Kentucky Oaks. She was impressive in the Arkansas Derby with that move that she made in that race too. So uh, you know, I think she's got a shot. You know, she she definitely fits. Uh, speed figures wise, she might be a touch below the the epicenters, uh, but uh, but we'll see. I mean, she's she's definitely an exceptional filly. Is there any other the, the like the new horses that are jumping in? Is there any one that like sort of jumps out the most to you, and and you're prepared for them to be a significant story during the course of this race? Yeah, I, I would say that would be the case for Creative Minister, okay. uh, the horse trained by Kenny McPeak. Uh, I spent the winter down at Gulfstream Park working for uh, TVG down there, analyzing racing and all that stuff, and. And uh, he he was uh, highly touted in his first start down there, and he made a huge run that day to finish second over a racetrack in which front runners have a huge advantage. 
then he comes back and he wins two races in a row after that. I think he's uh, uh, an exceptionally good horse who's improving very quickly, leaps and bounds. And and uh, if Epicenter doesn't bring his top game, I, I could see this horse being a, a big factor on Saturday. Just another minute or two with Larry Colmus, of course, Baltimore native and, and the race caller for NBC. You, of course, hear him again on Saturday for the Preakness. Um, Larry, you know, as you know, we, we got changes afoot uh, at Pimlico, and I know they're a little bit behind. There's a bit of a delay in getting things started, but we're still confident. Um, as somebody who's been coming here for a long time that knows this city, how comfortable are you knowing what's going to happen with the future of the Preakness, that this is never going to be a topic that we're going to have to discuss again, you and I, in the coming years? I don't know. It, it, it's, it seems like every year there's discussion on what's going to happen, and, and hopefully everything is settled now and it sounds like you know that the preakness will remain in baltimore at pimlico uh which i I think is a is a really good thing i mean to to me that's part of the tradition it's baltimore's race and um and i i think that uh you know once we get a new pimlico i mean the the old place (laughs) it's not it's not uh it's not that great you know i think we all know that yeah uh it's 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 out it's you know, I don't want to use the term dump because it's, it's like our dump. You Correct. <laughs> You're 100% right yeah. about that, by the way. It's exactly you know, what it is. Yeah, yeah, because I, I mean, I love the place. I, and I and I love, uh, I was the backup announcer there in 1986. I remember it well. Wow. And, and uh, so uh, to me, it's it's one of those places where, you know, I, I would love for it to stay there. And, uh, and hopefully that's going to be the case. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But we're Wherever the Preakness is, as long as NBC's covering it and they want me, I'll be I know, there. I know that's true, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that you're right about it. And then obviously, you know, because of Rich Strike not being in the race, it has renewed the conversation about, hey, maybe we need to spread these races out. I, the weird part about that, Larry, is we, we literally have just watched two Triple Crown winners. That Just since you've taken over, right? Like, I know. Like, I, I'm, I, I know it's hard, but like, I think that's the point of this, is that it's supposed to be hard. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, and and I know my my colleague at NBC, Randy Moss, is like the the complete opposite. He has been screaming for a change to the Triple Crown for for years now, and I'm like, no, it's the it's the tradition. This is this is how it's always been. I know the game has changed as far as how horses are trained and how much time they take between races, but that's the beauty of this that it it is that difficult. And all of a sudden, you know, American Pharaoh and Justify come along and prove that it takes an exceptional horse to do it, and they did it. So uh, it's not impossible, uh, and uh, and it makes it all the more uh, exciting when a horse is able to pull off something like that. I, I mean, I, I I agree. It's tough for me because I get I, I I do understand we have to do what's best by these horses. I get that, right? We need to protect the animals, but. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like people are capable of making the decisions as to what's best to protect the animals, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we saw specifically with American Pharaoh, everything was, was all right, you know? Like, it's, this can be done. It's it, it's possible that you can have yeah. it happen. At, uh, it can La- be done. at Larry Colmus on Twitter is how you follow him. Is the best storyline Wayne Lucas winning on Saturday, Larry? Is that the best possible storyline that we could get? I think so. Yeah. You know, uh, Wayne, Wayne Lucas uh, <laughs> is... Uh, it's it's funny, like years and years and years ago, Wayne Lucas was kind of like the black hat, the bad guy, you know, uh, in racing. And now everybody loves him because he's eighty six, and you know, it's, and he's just a, a an absolute great character, you know, great for the game. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I think it would be fantastic if if Wayne is able to pull this off. Just think about the fact that 
when he he uh, won the Preakness with Codex, that that was uh, 42 years that's ago. Unbelievable. That's, just, that's, that's unbelievable, insane. man. That's incredible. Yeah. All right, as I said, at Larry Colmus on Twitter is how you follow him. Larry, uh, always a joy to hear your voice during these big races, sir. Uh, thank you for taking the time for us, as always. Look forward to seeing you out there on Saturday, all right? It's... Absolutely. We'll see you there. Thanks, Larry. Larry Colmus from NBC, the pride of Mount St. Joe. Getting ready for Saturday's Preakness. Appreciate him taking the time for us here on GCR. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, we're going to uh, we're going to do a couple things, but one of them will be chat with Chris Colmeyer, who is the softball coach at UMBC, and they're getting ready to go kick Duke's ass in the NCAA tournament tomorrow. We'll chat about that next. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD gamblinghelp.org the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man appreciate it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it matt riddle yeah man thanks man. the champ drew mcintyre oh, thank you for having me the great ron simmons Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas 
area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. It is a Thursday edition of the program. A little bit later on this morning, we will catch up with Brian Billick, of course, the former Super Bowl-winning head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, and he'll tell us what we should be expecting. What are we going to get in the 30-for-30 about that team? We'll talk to Brian Billick about that later. All right, a couple of things quickly. One, if you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles and Gary Stein had a great chat with Towson Athletic Director Stephen Eigenbrot. That's available right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com by slash video. Any of those places, you can find that show. Also, they did a, a show earlier this week sort of celebrating and talking about what's going on with the Bowie Bay Sox. Those shows available again right now. In those locations, as a good catch-up with the Stephen Eigenbrot, the new athletic director at Towson. As far as the Nick Saban thing, I, should, I probably should save this for when I have a little bit more time. Maybe I'll do something else and save that. I want to talk about it. I do. I promise you I want to talk about it, but I think I just want to save it for when I have a little bit more time um, than we're going to have right now because we're going to ca- catch up with Chris Colmeyer. So I apologize. I apologize. That will be coming. That will be coming. We will talk about the Nick Saban thing. Somebody asked me if I saw what Joe Burrow said. He was on the Full Send podcast. This is from Aaron. Do you see Joe Burrow talking about playing against the Ravens and how they talk? Do you feel like he is setting himself up to be pissing off anybody on that side? No. No, I don't. I think, if anything, it's... um, He's given the Ravens credit. I, I I actually saw the clip being passed around, and I thought it was going to be controversial in some way. It's in no ways controversial. Like, you can be bothered by the fact that Joe Burrow... I thought there was something interesting that Joe Burrow said. Like, he was asked on this... I don't, I don't know anything about this podcast. But he was asked about sacks, and he said, you know, I, I don't think sacks are all that big of a deal. We treat every sack as though it's equal, but a third down sack is essentially meaningless. I'll take a third down sack in an attempt to make a play. I'll try to keep the play alive as long as I possibly can. And I'll do things. I'll take a sack on third down that I wouldn't take on second down. And yet, we have no way of distinguishing that it was a third down sack that only happened because I I kept the play alive for so long that eventually there was nothing else I could do but take the sack. And it was an interesting thought. Like, it was just an interesting comment from Joe Burrow as we have heard in recent years things like we put too much emphasis on sack numbers and that pressures and hits and things along those lines are just as valuable or can be just as valuable and to some extent that's probably true ultimately getting a a play that backs someone up 8 to 10 yards will always be a bit more valuable, but there's no way to differentiate within statistics whether it was an eight-yard loss on a sack or whether it was a sack where essentially it was at the line of scrimmage and just counts as a sack. Because those are two significantly different types of game-impacting plays, and yet 
they count the exact same way statistically. So it's interesting what Joe Burrow has to say. It's interesting. Far more interesting than him saying he likes playing against the Ravens. Cool. He likes playing against the Ravens. Neato. I mean, neato. He didn't say anything other than the guy said. No, he said nothing inflammatory. He said, you guys split last year. And he goes, no, we beat them both times. I threw for 500. He, he basically just said how the games went. Right. He didn't say well, anything he bad said, about the he Ravens. He said they like to talk, and I, you can get me to talk back. Like, right. I would think that would be that way in any rivalry type of game. So, yeah, nothing about it that was in any way. I, and I said this. It wasn't really even all that interesting to me. I was disappointed by how many people were talking about it as if it was interesting, and then I saw the video, and I was like, no, it's just him talking about facing the Ravens. That's it. That's all it is. Nothing more than that. All right, our next guest getting ready for another trip to the NCAA tournament. They will be at Duke tomorrow. Um, It's been a heck of a run since he has come to UNBC, and they've done an awful lot of winning. They are America East champions once again. He is the softball coach at UMBC. He's Coach Chris Colmeyer, and he's back with us here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn. It's good to talk to you again, man. Thank you for taking the time. Congratulations on being back in the tournament. Hey, thanks, Glenn. Uh, it's awesome to be back on with you guys and everything. And, uh, you know, it's awesome to be on the bus right now, heading down to a regional and then continue to play softball no, for hopefully, you know, more than just one more week. No doubt, man. May that be the case. Let, let's talk about that, Coach, because as I say, this is kind of old hat for you guys at this point. You've done a ton of winning during your time at UNBC. It is now the, the importance of saying, hey, we've been here before, but it's time for us to win at this tournament. How do you talk about that? And we just tell them, like, look, we, we've been here before, just like you said. We've been here before. Um, you know, the, the lights are not you know, not bright on us anymore, I guess you could say, like maybe they were the first time when you head out to Oklahoma in your first night game of the year and you're playing in front of 3,000 people. To do that very often. So I think for them, that's just it's a growth and maturity. And as you said, not necessarily old hat, just never get old. But it, um, they definitely well prepared from a mental standpoint, a physical standpoint. And their uh, mentality is, is that we're going in, not expecting to hopefully win a goal, but we're going in expecting to you know, do everything we can and won't do the thing and win the game. Hey, hey, Coach, I apologize. I know you're on the bus, but we're, we're running into a bit of a bad cell. We're going to try to get that fixed and get you into a, a, a better spot so the people can hear what you're saying. I don't want to miss out on what uh, Coach Chris Kohlmeyer is saying um, as he's talking about this team, the uh, head coach of the uh, softball program at UMBC. We're going to try to get that straightened out and see if we can't get him into a place where we can hear him a little bit better and uh, continue this conversation from there as uh, Chris Kohlmeyer is with us here on GCR. Hey, today's show is also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and the Hotel. 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland, down in Hanover. It is the best place for all of the big events this month. You can watch, get your bets in, all of those things. Whether it's the UEFA Champions League final, the Indianapolis 500, the final round of the PGA Championship this Sunday, the big Gervonta Davis, Rolando Romero fight later on in the month. Whatever the event is, the place to watch it is the FanDuel Sportsbook, again, in the Live Casino Hotel. Email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to reserve your spot, whether you want a table or reclining chairs, whatever you're looking for, for one of these upcoming events. Email them right then. All right, 
Let's uh, go back. Again, I know he's on the bus, and I know that we uh, scheduled this for a tough time as they're traveling. But Coach Chris Kohlmeyer, can you hear me again? Yeah, I hear you loud. All right, we got you back this time. I like the sounds of that. So uh, just because I'm afraid people might have missed everything you were saying, you were talking about – um, you know, the, the, having done those big early season matchups, going to Oklahoma, and now translating this to winning in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think, you know, this is our third time of doing this, and just the maturity and the experience of our program and the people that are in it, you know, being there, being under these lights, playing these tough kind of matchups, you know, it just leads to us having, you know, more confidence going into um, each time we go to one of these. And I think. You know, before, when we were at Oklahoma, we were just happy to be there. You know, maybe the bright lights were a little bit brighter and everything. But I think last year, going toe-to-toe with Oklahoma, sorry, with Arizona for, you know, half the game, and then we just kind of, you know, we couldn't score. We didn't get a run run across, but we were playing toe-to-toe with them for a while and then almost beating out Villanova in that game just gave them all the confidence in the world that, you know, we can go in and win these games and have a shot at this thing. And I think that just plays into – you know, our confidence in going in this weekend. We're not just going in hoping to win a game or, you know, maybe, you know, try to play as long as we can. But I think our mentality is like, hey, we come in, we play our best, we get great, you know, great pitching in the circle and good defense and we can get some timely hitting. You know, maybe that will lead to us getting through this and we can live fight one more week and, you know, be able to stay together and play one more week next week in a Super Regional. Can you put into words what Courtney Coppersmith has meant to your program over these years? Yeah, she's just an outstanding, you know, human being, outstanding player. Um, you know, she's, you know, her her work ethic and just the amount of time and detail she puts into anything in her life, whether it be academics, whether it be, you know, in the circle, on the field, you know, hitting, whatever, you know, just takes her and, you know, a lot of people around her to another level. And, you know, right now she's probably pitching as well as she's since she's been here. And, um you know, she's definitely helped elevate this program to another level for sure. And um, we're just excited to you know, see how she can do this weekend against some of the top teams in the nation once again and uh, hopefully you know, help us win a few games there. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, do you, is it, and again, I know you had an entire team. It's not just one player, so I want to make that abundantly yeah. clear. But do, yeah. you, do you almost feel like, given everything she's accomplished, that like she in mm-hmm. particular deserves that opportunity to win a game? And I, 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 I don't want this to come off too much like win one for the Gipper or that type of situation, <laughs> you know what I mean? But do you, do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that if, of, of everyone in the country maybe, no one deserves to win an NCAA tournament game more than Courtney Coppersmith does. Uh, I 100% agree with you, man. Yeah, she, uh, as much as she's... Uh, blood, sweat, and tears she's put into this, you know, this program and everything, just like everyone, like everyone in this you know, program, she's, you know, put just as much, if not more into it as well. And, you know, she, you know, she deserves it. The seniors deserve it. You know, every, you know, we deserve, you know, what we hopefully can get at least at one, if not two, three, four wins, you know, here going forward and uh, really put a, you know, nice little cap on, you know, what potentially could be her last season here and the last season of a lot of these seniors. So, that's what we're striving for, man. We're, we've been working our butts off since August, and this is this is the uh, this is the gift at the end. So we'll see what happens. Um, just one more on Courtney, if I could, Coach, because she mm-hmm. she opened up about mental health, and yeah. it was really powerful. And I think a lot of people are familiar with some of the stories the other athletes, uh, prominent athletes, have gone through during the course of the last year and in tragic situations. Um, mm-hmm. h- how much did it mean to you to see her open up the way that she did? And as you talk about the type of person she is, I, I mean, like, how much does that lift everyone else up 
to see someone who's willing to sort of bear their soul the way that Courtney did. Yeah, I'm awfully proud of her. It takes a brave person to step out of the shadows like that and, like, basically just tell their story and just the demons that they were fighting and everything and be able to do that in such a public, you know, setting with the Jackie Robinson Award, um, with um, just the things that she's been doing, whether it's in our department, with the American East, you know, just on social media, anything. It takes a brave person to do that, and she's been a massive advocate for you know, all student-athletes at our school, everybody in our conference, just around the nation itself. I mean, it, it's, I'm very proud of her. You know, it was scary to read that, you know, that, uh, that um, essay that she wrote a few years back, you know, not knowing a lot of the, you know, things she was doing with internally. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could you see a happy, just go lucky, dancing on the mound, striking people out, kid, and having fun doing it, and having, you know, smiling all the time, being around great teammates within you read that, and you're like, you have no idea. You just, like, it just helps show you. You just never know what people are going through, you know, internally inside, and they keep in. And I'm, and I think for her, it was very therapeutic, and that kind of helps her mental health been able to fight for, you know, for other people, be able to write this down and put it out there, and um, fight for fellow student-athletes and fight for, you know, other people that are going through these issues, whether student-athletes or not, just a regular student population, you know, you know in general. So, I'll be proud of her, and, you know, she, you know, I, I know after she gets out of here, it would be, whether it's next year, this year, next year, you know, whatever, it'll be a, um, she'll be, it'll be someone that will continue to fight for, you know, be an advocate for the mental health of our student-athletes and wherever she, you know, wherever it's here or across the country still. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, how much does it help to have another pitcher step up, Coach, and, and a freshman and Kaya Matter who's been, and not not too bad when you got two pitchers who can both pitch to a sub one ERA all season, right? <laughs> yeah, that helps a little bit. Yeah, she um, she stepped into you know a role and just took off with it. Kaya is like you would never think that she was a freshman. The way um, she just approaches you know her you know her you know just her, what she does every day, whether it's in practice you know it's on the mound. You would never know she's a freshman. She never gets rattled. She'll come off the field sometimes and be like, huh. Oh well, they got a hit. You know, just come into the dugout, and uh, and she gets herself like she gets herself into jams, and she just gets herself out of jams. She comes off the field, she goes, "Coach, I got myself into it. I'm going to get myself out of it." Wow. And um, you know, she just has another great mentality. And like her being around, her, you know, Courtney, our other pitchers, you know, Maddie Leach, Jillian McCarthy, and Madison Oberg. You know, all these guys are you know great in their own ways, and they all bring a lot to the table, but being around her, you know, her as a freshman, being around all of them and taking a little bit from each of them has definitely you know, turned her into the person, you know, the pitcher and everything that she is today. So it's definitely great to have some great depth with her and doing so well. She is this year and we're very confident in her and like the rest of our staff going into this regional. What have you learned from these past trips that, that maybe you do differently this time around or, like, is there anything that you say, hey, maybe I thought we were a little bit too tight? Like, can you take anything from the past? Or, you know, I know a lot of coaches, hey, new team, new, I don't, we don't even think about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. How, how, do you, how do you use that information and that experience to be, be better suited uh, this time going down to Duke? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is, like, when you look at this team and look at just how we're built, we're built, we're built way differently than we have in the past, even though we have a lot of, you know, older kids in our program who've given so much this program and played a lot this year. We're just a we're just built differently this year, and I think just the way we played all year and just dominating people, it just seems like left and right, just with great pitching, great defense, and 
you know, getting timely hitting and really great hitting up and down the lineup for the majority of the year. We might have hit a little bit of a little bump the last few weeks where we haven't been producing as much as we had. But, you know, they it's just, like I said earlier, it's the maturity level. You just look at them. You don't have to say a lot. It's like, hey, you know what? This year, I can see in your eyes, I see in your preparation, you know, just like what we, what we you know, approach practices that they're, they're just ready. They're ready to go, you know, compete against everybody. They know they deserve to be on this stage. They know that they're the, you know, the best team in the American East Conference, and they want to represent this conference, represent this school, and go out there on a national stage and prove it. I mean, are you willing to put, like, so I feel like what would be appropriate with you guys going and playing Duke is that a winning school gets to keep the Coach K moniker is the, the way that I feel, yeah. right? I don't know how you <laughs> feel about this, but, like, what I, what I feel is if, if you guys win, then they're never allowed to call that guy Coach K ever again because you're the only Coach K that matters. And I guess, yeah, I guess if yeah. somehow they win, then maybe, you know, being as gracious as you are, you'll allow him – to still be known as, as Coach K, despite the fact that, you know, you're you're the better one. You're the more important one, right? I, you know, I agree with that. But, you know, he, you know he's done okay for himself. You know, I guess we can, you know, like uh, like winner take all on the title. And uh, I'll tell you what, if we if we win, we get to take the Shazetsky Phil sign back up to Baltimore with us <laughs> and put it outside the field and all that stuff. There's <laughs> nothing in my life that I know better how to do better than hate Duke. So this is perfect hey, for hey, me, man. Coach. This is, this hey, is man, perfect for me that you guys end up playing them because this is like I, i'll be happy for you no matter who you beat right but if it's mm-hmm. them I, I might go streaking i'm just being warning you right now like it might be the <laughs> happiest i've ever been in my life if you guys pull this off tomorrow uh would be the I case I, let, well we'll do our best for you man let, let's let's finish it this way you you guys will yeah. have a a successful weekend if blank just just finish the blank if if we do this we're gonna have a successful weekend in the ncaa tournament yeah, I think we if we have a successful weekend and we are standing in championship Sunday, it's because offensively we we were aggressive. You know, we're able to string together hits. Um, you know, score through runs for our pitchers, and when our pitchers get themselves in a little bit of trouble, maybe they're you know getting a few hitters on here and there. That our defense doesn't let the uh, you know our pitchers and our defense both don't let it snowball and just make the routine plays and routine throws and just make sure that. We're limiting, you know, limiting the damage as much as possible, and hopefully by the end of it, that's going to be enough. Uh, we are rooting like hell for you guys, Coach. Um, good luck. Hey, let's let's go do this. How about we go win a national championship, huh? I don't want to, you know, let's not go too crazy, but I feel like that's not unreasonable, right? No, not at all. You know what? It's, <laughs> you know, we're we're in the running. You know, you know we're the last sixty-four that's teams right. standing. One of them, and you know what? Might as well dream big and just kind of. Take it one game at a time and just kind of see where, you know, where everything takes us. Coach, congratulations on another America East title, being back, and, and the foundation that you have built for this program, man. It's remarkable. Thank you for taking the time for us, and best of luck this weekend, all right? Hey, thank you so much, Glenn. Appreciate appreciate your support, and uh, let's go Retrievers. Let's beat Duke. No doubt. Coach Chris Kohlmeyer checking in with us here on GCR as they get ready to take on Duke tomorrow in the NCAA tournament, wishing them well. Um, they've been an incredibly successful third trip to the NCAA tournament. I, it's third straight. There was, of course, the 2020 COVID year in there, but um, it's the third straight trip to the NCAA tournament for the Retrievers. And uh, now they look to uh, take a step forward. So that is um, it's good stuff. And, of course, you root like hell for uh, them to get that done this weekend. 
Hey, today is actually the quarterfinal day in the NCAA Women's Lacrosse Tournament. The games throughout the day, so four games starting at noon to set up uh, who reaches the semifinals next weekend here in Baltimore. So it's Maryland's playing in the first game today, and then Loyola's playing in the second game today in the four quarterfinal matchups in the NCAA Women's Lacrosse Tournament. We'll share more about that when we get to Totally Tubular here in a bit. But today is quarterfinal day in the women's tournament. Of course, in the men's tournament quarterfinals are Saturday and Sunday. Um, and this is the final weekend, as far as spring sports are concerned, this is the final weekend of the regular season for Maryland baseball, who is inching closer to really having a chance to host um, the uh, the regional that first weekend as they have continued to sort of dominate in the Big Ten. Next weekend will be the Big Ten tournament, and then on Memorial Day they will announce the uh, the brackets and the I say brackets. It's always a little bit weirder in baseball because you do the regionals, but they'll announce the field for the NCAA tournament on Memorial Day as college sports season is coming to a close in the coming weeks. As we wind down for hour number one of today's show from Dave. Dave says, Glenn, yesterday you were asking why it is that the Orioles would want to make the Adley Rutschman thing a surprise. And in general, I agree with you. I guess my question would become, is it really a surprise if they announce it just one day ahead of time? I feel like one day is more than enough time for people to make their plans. I know what you're saying about people that want to travel in, but how much can you really work around those folks anyway? I don't think you can capitulate as an organization simply to those who want to travel up from, say, North Carolina. I feel like there would be people that want to travel in for just about any game. That's not true, Dave. We, we know this. I'm sorry. I don't mean to stop you. Um, this is a unique game. This is a unique circumstance. And as I keep saying, the Orioles don't owe it to anyone to give as much heads up as possible, but it's just better for everyone. Those are two different things. It's like when we we are obsessed with playing the blame game in this country. Instead of solving a problem, we just blame, well, this is the, the Democrats' fault. This is the Republicans' fault. I don't give a flying F whose fault it is. I just want it fixed. I don't care how we got to this point with baby formula. Just make sure that everybody can get the damn baby formula. But we're so obsessed with blame and fault and all of this crap that we miss out. The Orioles don't owe it to anyone to say anything about Adley Rutschman. They don't. But it doesn't make it a good thing either. They don't owe me a damn thing. But in the same way, I don't owe it to them to purchase tickets. This is the way the relationship goes. And if they want me to purchase tickets, it would be a good thing to try to meet me in the middle. I have two kids. If I if the game were to be tomorrow night, I would have to make sure that my wife can watch the kids and is okay with that. And I would have to make sure that she didn't make other plans and... All of those things. And while that's, yes, something that I can probably do, I could probably still pull off going to the game tomorrow night. There's, there's the possibility that she made plans. There is the possibility that she has something else that she's interested in doing. 
And those thoughts are even more significant for other people. Trying to meet someone in the middle, trying to work with them, trying to help them, give them the best chance in order to make it out to an event that you know they want to come to is a good thing. It's not worth obsessing over whether or not they have the obligation to do it. It's not worth obsessing over whose fault something is. We, we, we fight about fault and blame, and it's so stupid. It's, it's in our DNA. It's why we get defensive when someone points something out. We can't just say, hey, I screwed up. I'm sorry. My bad. I screwed up. How do I fix it? So, as much information as possible. And 24 hours is not as much information as possible. Doesn't mean they won't do it. Doesn't mean it's impossible. Just not ideal. That's all. All right, we begin hour number two of the program. Uh, Our next guest is going to be back in town. He's going to be at the Meyerhoff on Monday night as we learned that this event celebrating the 2000 Baltimore Ravens is going to be in part for an upcoming 30 for 30 that ESPN and NFL Films are doing celebrating that first Super Bowl champion team. It's always a pleasure for us to welcome back Coach Brian Billick to GCR. Coach, it's Glenn. I hope you're well. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. Yeah, glad to do it. Hey, Coach, who is going to be the surprise breakout star of this 30 for 30? Who is, we know Tony's personality. We know Shannon Sharp's personality. Who is it that maybe, unless you were really around the team every day, you don't know is going to be someone that everybody's going to be loving when we get to this 30 for 30? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. You know, we had so many uh, characters. I, I always said that team was, yeah, it was full of characters, but it was also full of character. Uh, and and obviously, and then at the, the, the following year when we did the, uh, the hard knocks is what really brought into focus those personalities that were all such a, a part of the previous year in, in terms of the, uh, of the Ravens. Um, I, I don't know. That's a tough one. You know, guys like Mike McCrary, Peter Bulware, uh, they were guys that because, you know, Shannon and, and, uh, uh, Goose and the like tended to gobble up all the, and myself probably included gobbled up all the air in the room. Uh, but those are guys that had a lot of personality. Uh, the guys loved playing with them, a lot of energy. Uh, and, and particularly as we were closing into the playoffs, cause they both had been around long enough and recognize what an opportunity it was. So, uh, yeah, maybe McCrary and Bulware, but there were there were plenty of plenty of characters to go around. Coach, are you excited? And I ask this question because obviously this is going to celebrate that team, this thirty for thirty. But you know how these films go that there there's always got to be an, a measure of controversy that's involved, something that that they use to try to grip people and and get them to watch. Are you excited? about seeing your team get the 30 for 30 treatment or is there a party that's sort of like you know man this is 22 years ago i'm 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 kind of i'm kind of good at this point i don't need to revisit or, or or rehash any any ounce of controversy that played out during the course of the year where are you just big picture with this well I, I, yeah it is what it is it is a part of our history it was obviously a glorious part uh, and, and such an unexpected part of it i'm you know, like every team, there's going to be some drama. Whatever they choose to focus on, we've already been through it. Yeah. Uh, the fact that the Ravens are supporting it and helping orchestrate it to the degree they are, they obviously are comfortable with the tone that they're going to take. And you're right, there's any number of issues from race situation going in to, 
the month where we didn't score uh, an offensive touchdown. To, but those are all things that, that honestly we overcame and made us stronger. They're part of the reasons I think we came together as a championship team. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, I, I, it'll be great to revisit it. I'll be interested to see what take they take on it. Um, there is the, 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 the thing that everybody had, that said, I heard from multiple people this week that said the one thing I want from this 30 for 30 is I want to know that there's video of the locker room in Nashville and that we're yeah. finally <laughs> going to get to see it. So I guess this is a two-part yeah. question. One, do you know whether there is or isn't video of the locker room? Because I know you didn't want there to be. And, and if there is, are you okay with us finally getting to see it at this point? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't aware of that. I, I think there is video of it. I think we, it, it has been out there. I, I know, uh, whether, I know like we've heard it before, right? Like, right. have we ever seen a camera inside the locker room? Yeah. Okay. Whether whether it was my uh, you know kicking down the door and, and yeah. going after the or or the uh, holding up the Sports Illustrated uh, cover with the team, yeah, I, I can't imagine that's not going to be there because I have seen that video before. All right, all right. So that I be, I believe will be most people's favorite part of this entire. At least here in Baltimore, it'll be most people's favorite part of this entire thing. How did, were you at all trepidatious when you found out the project was happening? Like, were you gung ho and said, "Hey, man, anything you need, I'm 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 for it." Oh, sure. Oh yeah. I mean, because you're, you're celebrating a great achievement by the organization. Like I said, we've everything has already been hashed and rehashed the, yep. the 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 hard knocks after the championship that revisited and did all of that as well in a way that that few teams have already had it documented uh for some teams that that may be new you know some of the stuff that could come out uh may be new for uh, a lot of people maybe didn't realize uh it happened uh, in their super bowl year but because of the hard knocks following our super bowl year we we were yeah there there was no stone unturned and we covered just about every aspect good and bad of what that entailed so i i don't know that there's going to be anything newsworthy coming out of this it will remind some people of it and, and like i said for the most part uh, I think it's all good stuff. Where Where is your relationship with Trent at this point? I know you guys both talk to ESPN uh, around the anniversary. Where, where is your guys' relationship at this point, Coach? I haven't talked to Trent in a while. Uh, it, it The last time, yeah, Trent and I have talked several times since then. That was obviously a very difficult time afterwards. Yep. Uh, but, I, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm not going to say we're, we're buddies or anything. <laughs> right. But uh, we both are professionally understand what went down? He's doing a great job, uh, high school coaching now. Uh, and we interact with him a little bit via my pad company, uh, the X Tech Pads that we do. Uh, but he's he's a very successful high school coach. I've always said Trent would be a great coach uh, at any level uh, if he chose to do so. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. And and Trent, you know, you talk about the personalities, the unsung, uh, and I've said it a million times. I, I Trent was the perfect quarterback for us for that team. I don't know that we would have accomplished what we did without that proper mindset by that position that bought in totally to, Hey, we're playing great defense. Let's run the ball. Let's try to not turn the ball over that kind of conservative that kind of goes against the grain of a quarterback. Right. He bought in 100% and was a huge part of why we were able to pull that off. 
I'm look. I, obvious, as you know, everybody in Baltimore is through the roof. Th- this event on Monday. Is there anybody that you didn't get to see at the anniversary, or is there still anybody that you haven't seen in a while, or you haven't been able to catch up with that you oh, need? Oh gosh, to? there's so many of the guys that you like. To, that's what I love about coming back to the Ring on Ring of Honor events because you see so many of the guys. Uh, and and uh, you know, obviously, not living in the area, and, and you know, with, as years pass on, it tends to get all diffused to a degree. But it's so great to see so many of the guys and the guys subsequent to it that are still even a part of that history. You know, guys like a Todd Heath that wasn't part of the Super Bowl team, but was a part of them on their knocks and kind of it kind of gets all rolled in together. Uh, it's and that's one of the things I love about Baltimore. I think whether it goes back to the old Colt days or certainly in the Raven days, the affinity for the players, whether they live in the area or come back to the area for the organization. Um, is is there's not a lot of organizations I think that have that to the degree that the Ravens do. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to bleed one more out, then I just want to talk some football with you if I could. Um, I don't even remember if I told you this, but around the anniversary, I just I just decided to up and call Tony Banks because I hadn't talked to him in a long time. <laughs> and, um, you know, Tony's definitely was still not over it 20 years later. Like, he still had an amount of bitterness to it. Ha- have, you, have you talked to Tony at all? And did, did you know that... Like he kind of admitted he he wasn't really even rooting for you guys to win down this stretch that season. Well, that's understand. I mean, it was a tough circumstance, and and like I said, Tony, and and you got to remember how well Tony was playing prior to that stand, that game against Jacksonville, and I mean, Tony was Tony was playing well, but you also have to remember how 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 he wasn't playing well, right? And and given the way we were going to win the turnovers was going to be the Achilles heel. We could play great defense. We were going to run the ball. But to win with those tight margins, you gotta you got to be plus one or two in the turnovers, which we ended up being leading the league in turnover differential. Uh, and that was the difficulty. But certainly understand how tough that was for Tony to, to not only to have to anytime you have to pull a quarterback and you go with the other guy, but then for that team to then go on the run that we did. That's that's double insult to injury, and that you can certainly understand why that was so tough for Tony. All right, so the Ravens are holding a press conference today. We don't know what it's about, Coach, um, but there are a lot of people that think it might be related to Sam Cook, and and one way or another, after the Ravens drafted a punter, whether that's what it is today or not, the the likelihood is that Sam Cook has probably you know made his last punt in the Baltimore Ravens uniform, and. You know, this this is kind of a, a wild moment, right? Because it's the it's the last sort of bastion to the Brian Billick era of of Baltimore Ravens football. Can you take me back to to when Sam arrived and and what you guys thought you had and 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 what it's meant to you to see the career that he's ended up having? Oh, just it's phenomenal. And, and no, no, no one could have anticipated. I mean, we we ended up taking a a, a good punter. You know. Uh, but Sam ended up, and when you look at the, the the career that he's had, I mean, I I, I would definitely say this is this is uh, uh, Hall of Fame level. I mean, when you look at the longevity, the impact, because we always talked about, particularly in the way prior to to, to, to uh, Lamar, you know, the way the Ravens had won primarily with the defense and the scoring differential and the whatever, and you always focus on the kickers and what a great run of kickers. <laughs> that Baltimore's had, beginning with Matt and then then obviously moving on. But the punting, and whether it goes back to Kyle Richardson or Sam Cook, that combination, I don't think people fully realize 
how important Kyle Richardson and Sam Cook were to the total dynamic, not only in our teams, but even afterwards, um, for the success of that team. Absolutely huge. And to have the run of punters that we had in Baltimore and kickers um, is, is unprecedented. And I, I, like I said, I think Sam, I think Sam is, 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 is as hard as it is from that position is legitimately Hall of Fame material uh, at, at the punter position. I think people miss that he completely revitalized the, the way that punting was known. I mean, like this, this, this golf bag thing that he did. And I, you know, as, as you know, coach, I feel like people probably with punting only ever see, Hey, are you booming the ball 80 yards? That's what gets our attention. Otherwise it's punting. Right. We don't care. And, and a lot of people have missed throughout football how he changed the concept of punting by having so many different punts that he could go to given the circumstance. Well, and that, that goes back to my comment that when you look at, at those that go into the Hall of Fame, there's all a different, I mean, you can have just the sheer stats and the volume of your, of your play. But for some, it's also, did you define, uh, John Lynch is a perfect example, is the most recent one. John, of course, was at Stanford as well. But John went in, in my opinion, because he kind of redefined the position. Mm-hmm. Well, d- dropping a guy in the box and that type of thing. Well, absolutely. That's why I say I think Sam Cook is a Hall of Fame candidate because he did change the game at that position. That's that's the ultimate, the ultimate de- definition of a Hall of Fame player. Look, I you know, unfortunately, it's so extraordinarily difficult that I don't think it's going to happen. But I hear a- every level of your argument, and I I do think that it's been vastly undertold what Sam Cook has meant. Um, yeah. You know, to this this franchise and just how consistently good he has been for such a long time. Uh, Coach, you're not going to believe this. Just another minute or two here with Coach Billick. We're, we're talking about wide receiver again in Baltimore. I know it's it's very unlike <laughs> yeah. us. It's something you and I have never talked about before in our history. Um, the Ravens have four wide receivers with NFL experience on their roster right now, and they've combined all four of them for a total of 1,227 yards in their career. And we know they have a hell of a tight end, and we know that they're going to want to run the ball, and all that's they're going to be a run-dominant offense. But would you be concerned about that little experience, and frankly, that little depth, right? I mean, this is a 17-game season. Somebody's getting hurt. Would you be concerned sure. about that, even knowing the importance of Mark Andrews in the run game to this offense? Yeah, they're, and they're going to address that. They're going to. They're going to. There's a lot of moves left to be made, and people to come in to fill that position. Um, and you add how many years have we talked about this, right. and that that uh, with with all the brilliant drafting and personnel moves that the Ravens made since the beginning. That's probably the one position, particularly from the drafting standpoint that has been, you know, a little bit of an Achilles heel. But they've always seemed to then fill in with other receivers, veteran guys that come in. Uh, if this if this were a younger, new Lamar Jackson, I would be concerned with that. But I think Lamar's reached that level that whoever they bring in, he will develop a relationship and find a way to get the ball to them in a way that augments their offense. You're right. It's going to be the running game. It's going to get the ball to Andrews. No question about that. But you still need to, to balance that with the, some of the down-the-field throws, that ability to take the top off the defense. Um, so, yes, yeah, I, yeah, it is a concern. I think it's something they'll address. Uh, it's not like there's going to be some Hall of Famer they're going to bring in here, uh, and they'll continue to try to address it via, via the draft. And Hopefully they can get someone that can stick for a while. And, uh, and impact that position. But given the profile of the team the way they are right now, 
Yeah, it's a concern, but I don't think it's uh, it's it's not time to panic. Let's put it that way. And the irony of you saying what you just said there there is a, a Hall of Famer who's out there. Um, w- would you still take a chance on a Julio Jones at this point, or you know, is there just too much risk involved at this point for you to have any amount of confidence that that, that he could get on the field and help you? Well, he's a he's a, an incredible player. I guess know Julio well when he was in Atlanta. Of course, Mike Smith. Oh yeah, was right. The head coach there, and and my brother-in-law, and 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 when I was doing games for Fox, and what a tremendous talent. Now, the, where Julio is physically, and he's had these foot issues for a while now. He had them back even then. So the the prognosis going forward was to when when was it going to be too much? When was the foot going to be too much? Uh, and, and it goes back to, well, so what, what are you asking? What's his role? How much does he have to play? He's not going to be a 65 snap guy. Right. Uh, you know, and, and particularly when you're talking about big body receivers, uh, like he was that, that you tend to wear down a little bit quicker than some of the smaller, faster guys. Uh, so that's certainly a factor. He could certainly help the team, but in what role, how many snaps, what's the condition? Cause there's no question the talent is there, but what, uh, what condition is the foot in? Uh, how's everything out in Arizona? Have you been? How much time have you been spending out that way? And and have you been having fun yeah, with? Yeah, fair it? amount. Yeah, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. You know, of course, Marvin's out there as well, and yep. and uh, been back and forth. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting. This this NIL and portal stuff is uh, has changed the entire landscape of college football, and not for the better, in my opinion. But it is what it is. Uh, we picked up a, a quarterback in Emory uh, Jones from Florida that I'm really excited about. Still in the process. So the team, oddly enough, we're talking about a college team. It feels a little like just what we're talking about in the pro team is you're not done piecing the team together, uh, which is kind of odd uh, for the college game. Sure. But it is what it is and, and uh, kind of excited about it. Coach, uh, it's, of course, at Coach Billick. I'm going to leave you with this because when we were, I got a message from Dave as we were talking about it who said, I saw that Coach is on Cameo. Is there any chance that if I buy a cameo from Coach Billick, I could get him to say "f the Titans" in it? So I'll, I'll put that to <laughs> oh, you. Boy. That's a good. Well, you know, it depends on what the price is. You know, <laughs> Jack Harris always used to say, "Everybody's got a price." We're about to find out what yours is. But, uh, now that one might be. My wife might get after me about All right. that one. But, All right. All right. Those have been fun. Those cameo things are kind of fun because fans reach out. And you can. Wish him happy birthday and uh, whatever, and uh, it's 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 been a fun uh, fun deal. I'm sure you get plenty of Ravens fans. Do you get like Steelers fans who want you to mess with their you know like a friend of them, and 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 do you get stuff like that? Uh, no, I don't know. For the most part, okay. not. I run into a lot of that. Sure, as I go around, which has been fun. Yeah. But uh, but no, mostly it's good good Ravens fan that want to celebrate a birthday or their father's birthday or some achievement you know maybe business-wise they've closed a big deal or something that uh, it's been kind of fun they reach out and i do a couple uh, i do three or four a month and uh, it's always great to hear from the ravens well, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you on monday night and obviously we're all looking forward to the 30 for 30 coach always appreciate taking the time for us That's thanks right. for doing it coach brian billick checking in with us here on gcr i i i feel like i've never seen the video from in like we've all heard the audio that somebody recorded from outside the locker room in Tennessee. I don't feel like I've ever seen the video, and that was brought up to me by a couple people this week. I don't feel like I've ever seen a camera inside the locker room from that day in Nashville when Brian Billick said, "You know, they say remember the Titans, I say f the Titans." I don't. I've never even heard him say that. Oh, that's famous, man. I've, I've that's, never heard that's, that. That's that's on you. That's not a good look I'm, for I'm you. That's a famous moment in Ravens history. 
Um, maybe, maybe I'm just crazy. You know, again, at some point, it might have, it might have. This video that went around last week. Have you seen the Rex Ryan video that went around? No. Oh, I will have you pull that up in a second, Griffin. You're familiar. Yeah, I saw, uh, I saw the Rex Ryan. Well, this might be the reason why there is a Ravens thirty for thirty happening. By the way, this might be the case. We'll, we'll, we'll I'll get it to you during break. Um, but I don't think I've ever actually seen that video. So if they've got that, that certainly would be a hook for the thirty for thirty for for Ravens fans to actually see it from inside the locker room. All right, when we come back in, uh, ironic that Coach brought it up. I'm going to talk about what Nick Saban had to say about uh, Texas A&M and NIL and all that stuff uh, last night. It was bombastic, to say the least. We will discuss that. And um, if you have not heard this clip of Rex Ryan, which resurfaced about a week ago, and I didn't, like, I didn't see it at first. It was some Bengals writer that found it, shared it, and didn't get a lot of play, and then somebody else reshared it yesterday and it was the first time i had seen it i was like what the heck is this and i don't know anything of the history of it but it is hilarious we'll we'll share that with you as well it's all on the way it is a thursday edition of glenn clark radio Hey O's fans, 2022 Orioles single game tickets are on sale now. Come celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards with tickets starting as low as $10. Relive your favorite moments and make new memories this season. Choose from your favorite homestands when the O's take on the New York Yankees, Washington Nationals, and Boston Red Sox. Or fan favorite giveaways like Birdland Hawaiian shirt and collectible bobbleheads. Experience the ballpark that forever changed baseball. Buy now at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBox. 
Box Sports, or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at PressBox Sports. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we get ready for weekend at Bookies coming up in just a few minutes. That's a different thing altogether. Let's uh, let's try something else. A um, couple of things. One, I promise this. This is, I have no idea where this video comes from. I don't, I know none of the details other than it's clearly Rex Ryan in a Ravens shirt doing some sort of video from the old facility um, at Stevenson University, the old Villa Julie College, where Mustang Stadium now sits. He's on the field at the old practice facility doing filming some sort of video. And why it got to this place, I have no earthly idea, but it did. Here's a thought today from Rex Ryan. It's like that old man you see in the park. You know what I'm talking about, the guy that's, the, the guy that's over there jerking off. It, hey, it looks bad to everybody else, but feels good to him. So there you go. It's like that old... Yeah, you can go ahead. You can let it run again. You can, sure, why not? Let it run again. And you see in the park, you know what I'm talking about, the guy that's, the, the guy that's over there jerking off. It, hey, it looks bad to everybody else, but feels good to him. Right. All right. It's, it's a story as old as time. <laughs> what, what, did, what is the context of that? Does it matter? He's holding up a whiteboard with right. X and O's on it. So I'm a, he's doing something. <laughs> they were clearly filming this. This was not. He didn't get caught saying something. He purposely said this as he was making some sort of video. Was it internal? Was it external? I genuinely don't know. I don't have any recollection of this. Is this from Hard Knocks? Maybe. <laughs> I don't remember. I think it's. Uh, I mean, we're all pretty aware that Rex Ryan's a pretty weird guy. What are you talking about. What's what, yeah. what 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 indication do we have of that at all? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know, man. I don't remember any ounce of this. But really weird that that video was resurfaced just a couple of weeks ago, and not long after that, they announced a thirty for thirty about the two thousand Baltimore Ravens. Just kind of weird how that all played out. Don't know what to make of it, but um, it's out there. So there's there's the thought from Rex today. Hey, you know, it looks bad to everybody else, but feels good to him. Uh, maybe he was comparing it to them winning games ugly. Maybe it was a really weird comparison made to, hey, yeah, we're winning all these games 9-6. to six. They don't look so great to everybody else, but it feels good to us. I don't know. I don't know. I could not tell you how we got to that place. And I, and I kind of prefer to not know. Like, I feel like I don't want to know. What the comparison was that Rex was trying to make? He says, "You know the guy I'm talking about." Yeah, every, yeah. Up in there watching an old man jerk off in a park. Like what? 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 What do you? Where do did he mean? Grow up? What do you mean? You know what I'm talking about. Believe it or not, I have never witnessed an old man jerk off in a park. I know. I mean, maybe maybe that's just a sad part of my life that I've never been able to experience that. But there's some thoughts from Rex this morning. Um, I I don't I literally have no I w- and again I think I've decided I don't want the context I don't want to know 
what it is that he was trying to say that he decided to go that route. Maybe like a, a corner blitz or something? Like he's talking about just... I, I Whatever it, it is, <laughs> I just feel like it's actually going to disappoint me when I get the, the answer. I feel like I would just prefer to not know. Just sort of allow this to live that Rex Ryan one day really wanted to talk about an old man jerking off in a park for some reason. Like, that, that's, that's the end of it. That's sort of what I feel about it. All right, um, so there's that. Now, uh, by the way, if you haven't picked up the print issue of Pressbox, it is still available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. You can read it all, pressboxonline.com, of course, on the cover. That's Adley Rutschman. Um, we, the question has been asked, did we give the Adley Rutschman curse by putting him on the cover, assuming he was going to be here, and now he's not here? I, I, don't, I don't know, but um, I hope not. Luke Jackson wrote a wonderful story about uh, the soon-to-be, we think, Orioles catcher. You can find it right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. An unbelievable 24 hours in the world of college football. Last night, Nick Saban spoke at an event. It's a seven-minute lengthy clip. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother to share the entire thing. But some of the particular highlights. Mike Rodak, who covers um, Alabama football for AL.com, was at this event that both Nick Saban and Nate Oates spoke at, and he tweeted out some of the highlights. They include, Nick Saban says 25 players on Alabama last season earned NIL revenue totaling $3 million and did it, quote, the right way, unquote. Next, Saban, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. He goes on. Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper. They bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. He went on and on and on and on and on and on. Deion Sanders has come out and condemned, of course, the coach at Jackson State, condemned, calling it a lie that they paid. And I believe, I'm trying to remember what the young man's name was. I think we all remember the story. Travis Hunter. It was a lie that Jackson State paid him the money. I remember correctly when the announcement was made on National Signing Day, the belief was that Barstool Sports had been the one that was paying the money because they have a relationship with Deion Sanders, and so that's where the NIL money was coming from. Um, today, Jimbo Fisher held a press conference, and those that heard it, would probably have described it as a bit unhinged. Uh, some of the quotes. It's despicable that a reputable head coach could say it and called Nick Saban a, quote, narcissist. It's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. Um, he said that Saban was taking shots at 17-year-old at kids and that no rules were broken. It's despicable that we have to sit here at this level of ball and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids, and their family. Some people think they're God. We build him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past. Called Nick Saban a grown man who is pouting. Quote, when people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is, unquote. 
Apparently, Nick Saban attempted to call Jimbo Fisher today, and Jimbo Fisher ignored the call, saying, quote, we're done, unquote. Fisher said there is a reason he has not worked with Saban since LSU, quote, I don't want to be associated with him, unquote. This is explosive S over the course of the last 24 hours. Um, What this comes down to is quite simple. Nick Saban is bothered by the fact that there is now a system that allows things to be sorted out a bit more equitably than the system that existed beforehand in which because he was the coach at Alabama – he could just get all of the talent, and he could just rule the roost. And much like at some point Mike Krzyzewski believed that he knew what was better for college basketball than everybody else did, Nick Saban clearly believes that he knows what's best for college football more than everyone else does. It's a joke. I get it. There are a lot of... Brian Billig just said he doesn't like it. A lot of people don't like this system for two reasons. Either A... And I'd like to choose that it's a smaller group of people that fall in part A than part B. But the group A is the group of people that are probably racist. But at the very least, people who don't want to see any more power transfer from one side to another. That have held all of the power for as long as they've known it and they don't want to see the power. And then there's a secondary group of people that has a problem with it. And that secondary group of people just realized their job got more difficult. That it is a harder job to do. I want to make it abundantly clear. There is no actual problem that exists in relation to NIL or the transfer portal. No actual problem exists. There is still the exact same amount of talent coming into the sport. There is still the exact same number of people that are playing. One school cannot get all of the players because their boosters are willing to pay more. That's not a real thing. No one school can take up... I mean, how many... There's there's 130-some Division I programs, and they all have about 100 players on their roster, so we're talking about 13,000 or so Division I football players, no one school can put 13,000 Division I football players on their roster. That's not possible. And all of those schools deal with the same problems. A kid came there, found out that he was recruited over, is unhappy, now he wants to transfer. As Mike Loxley has said a time or two, the transfer portal taketh and the transfer portal giveth. Yes, you might lose a player to the transfer portal, But you know what Maryland found in the transfer portal? The best quarterback they've had in two decades. Stop it. Nick Saban's mad because of one of two things. And I don't know which one it is. Either because his job is harder today than it was before. Or because Nick Saban is somewhere between being a racist, which I would think it would be very difficult for Nick Saban, given everyone that he's worked with over the years, to have been a closet racist the entire time. Although, I get it. There's an amount of racism that exists that's that's sort of in the underbelly of everything. Or, because he simply doesn't like a world in which power is shared. That in his world, the coach has always had all of the power. 
And the moment anyone else has any amount of power, that's problematic. Of course, it bleeds in to your job being more difficult. But the power and the power structure in not just organized sports, but in any organized culture, people in the, the, the world of religion don't like giving up power. Power is it's money and power, right? Those are the two most important things somebody can have. And when players are making a lot of money, they're going to get more power. It's inevitable. That's okay. They're the reason why this exists. Because no one would tune in and watch Nick Saban play football today. But we tune in and watch high-level college athletes play football. There is no problem. The NCAA, for whatever insane reason, thinks they need to crack down on these NIL collectives or boosters that are involved with this, which is so insanely stupid. Because what if, if you're a booster that wants to use your business to try to get more kids to come to a school, but you're being told you can't do that by being a booster, but yet you still want to benefit the school, what do you do? You simply stop being a booster. Well, wait a second. I know how this works. I'll just not be a booster anymore. And I can still pay the kids whatever I want to come to the school that I care about that I want to benefit at the end of the day. This is so stupid. We're trying so bloody hard. But nobody can actually define what the problem is. We can all say things like, well, I don't think I like this, or this isn't what this was supposed to be. or What is the actual problem? Be very specific. What is the actual problem in relation to NIL and the transfer portal? Well, you know, kids have one bad day at practice and they want to transfer. Okay, is that a kid you want to have on your team? If they want to transfer after one bad day of practice, do you think that's a player that should be on your team? These things don't all work. There is no problem in college athletics. This is the thing we wanted. And fans might not love it because it might mean that there are players that they get to know one season and they're gone the following year. It's weird. That happens in professional sports all of the time. How long was Nelson Cruz in Baltimore? One year. Did you stop being an Orioles fan when Nelson Cruz left Baltimore? I did not. Did you hate Nelson Cruz because he left Baltimore? I did not. It's amazing how this works. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. It's like we're just talking out of our ass. There is no problem at all in college sports. The jobs got more difficult. Now, what comes along with that is a lot of these coaches are very well compensated. Not all of them. If you're an assistant coach at Coppin State today, you're probably not terribly well comp. I mean, you're more compensated than, than, than I am, than Griffin is, probably. I don't know. I'm going to guess. Definitely than Griffin. Maybe not than me. Eh, probably more than me, honestly. You're compensated. 
for the difficulty of the job. A lot of people have tough jobs. A lot of people have actually tough jobs, like digging ditches. You're not doing that. You're just having to deal with young people and their their whims. That's not a difficult job. It's just more difficult than it was five years ago. And I don't doubt that it is more difficult. I know it's more difficult. I've talked to coaches about how much more difficult it is. But that's the end of it. It's just more difficult. You strap in. You're going to be okay. Nate Oates. Um, we've been out in front uh, advertising a bunch of, you're still not supposed to be using it for recruiting. I think there's some people out there committing some violations that maybe are going to get in trouble, but we haven't done that. I, what is, th- this is the inherent problem. The idea that there's a violation that this wasn't the way the rule was supposed to be. We weren't supposed to have the schools helping out in the process of landing recruits. So, is that a bad thing? How it was supposed to be? It would seem to me that it would be a good thing that the school would be involved with who it is that you're connecting with in order to make money. That maybe the NCAA should reconsider why they don't want that. What is the problem here? Well, it just becomes glorified free agency. Yes, that's how sports work. That's how everything everywhere works. You know why Paul's taking a job at Super Megacorp? Because they're going to pay him more. How is this hard? What are we struggling with? Nick Saban is mad because Nick Saban doesn't get to run college football any longer. Because a system was put into place that allowed another school to compete for the kids that he wanted. That he couldn't just be the Alabama coach. And yes, as everybody's pointed out, almost certainly Alabama has done plenty of things over the years that were not with... The idea that every program has done everything by the book is nonsense. Bull S. It just makes this so much more hypocritical It's a joke. from Nick Saban. It's a, but even, even if it was the case, this would still be a joke. But yes, there's no chance that that's actually the case. Mm. And there were a couple of uh, people, that uh, the athletes that came out last night that had been recruited to Alabama in the past who were like, hey, hey buddy, <laughs> I know some things. This is, it's laughable. It's pathetic. College athletics are changing for the better. And by the way, the old system of college football allowed for all of four schools to have a chance at winning a national championship. Imagine that being the system that anybody thinks was better. I don't know that it'll be 10 that have a chance moving forward. But the old system didn't work. Period. There's nothing about it that's worth saving. Tidbit of the day. Brought to you today by Glory Days Grill. Spring seasonal menu available at Glory Days Grill. The opener, the Korean number two sauce on the flash fried pork belly. The Cracker Jack Sunday with the waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. So much more available, but only for another 12 days at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in now. All right, so yesterday we spent a lot of time, talk, or a fair amount of time, considering it's a wall, talking about the new left field wall dimensions at Camden Yards and the problems that Aaron Judge and Aaron Boone seem to have with it. And then Trey Mancini chimed in also saying the hitters don't like it. Um, and we were talking earlier this year when the, first, when the wall first, first uh, came about 
about how we thought there were going to be more triples, yet the Orioles have only hit two triples in their home ballpark this season, and only one of them, Roof Neto Door, has been because of the new wall in left field. Did you know that the record for Orioles triples in a season in Camden Yards is 17, set in 2007? Certainly did not. And then they had 16 in 2019. I don't remember that many triples, but they had 16 that, triples at what, home. What it sm- sounds like, it sounds like, is you don't want to hit triples because it's the bad teams that hit the triples. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe. That's, yeah, the Orioles' good teams, like 2014, they hit like six at yeah, home. Yeah. It sounds like you don't want to do that. No. Weird, weird bit. Yeah, tw- in 1997, they hit five triples at home that whole season. Anywho, um, with that in mind, three Orioles have hit 11 triples or more. In a season. Can you name them? Probably not. Um, sure you can. Brady Anderson. No. And you would think it would be somebody quick. I think his career high is like seven. How many did you say there were? Um, three players have hit 11 or more. Tops out of 12. Al Bumbry. Al Bumbry hit 11 in 1973. <sighs> um... Paul Blair. Paul Blair, the leader in the clubhouse, hit 12 in 1967. You have one left. Robbie Alomar. No. Um, Brian Brian Roberts. No. Am I am I right to think it's got to be a top of the order type of guy? He's a yeah. Yeah, in when he was at his best, he hit in the top half of the lineup. When he was at his best, he hit in the top half of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Doesn't I mean that's it's not. I mean the the third spot is the top half of the line. The fourth spot, the cleanup hitter is the top half of the lineup. So that's not really. It's safe to assume that this guy generally hit cleanup or higher. <laughs> it does. He had one. You're doing anything but help. You're he, doing anything no, but. Uh, the, if I help. give you any hints, you'll get it. It's 11:45. We got to wrap up. We're late. He was one of your favorite players of all time for the Orioles. Mike Devereaux. Mike Devereaux. Ah, hit, 11, uh, hit 11. He hit 11 triples not, in 1992. Triple season. I did not know that. That was year he had 24 homers and drove in over 100. It was a, had a hell of a season. All right, uh, very good. Uh, Tubular brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up, Totally Tubular, again in just a couple of minutes. At 1230, Orioles wrap up the series of the Yankees trying to avoid the four-game sweep. Bruce Zimmerman, Jordan Montgomery on Masson. MLB Network, Padres Phillies at one, Mariners Red Sox at seven. Women's NCAA quarterfinals today. Florida, Maryland at noon, and Loyola Boston College at 2.30. Both those games on ESPNU. Big Ten Network Plus, Maryland and Purdue baseball at 6. The PGA Championship is on ESPN Plus right now. Moves to uh, ESPN at 2 o'clock. Eastern Conference Finals game 2 tonight between the Celtics and the Heat at 8.30 on ESPN. The NBA Draft Combine at 5 o'clock on ESPN2. TNT for Lightning Panthers game two at seven. Blues Avalanche game two at nine thirty. USA for Everton and Crystal Palace at two forty five. Anything non sports wise that sticks out? Um, not a lot. The Law and Order uh, stretch from eight through eleven on NBC. Uh, you're going to have uh, Milo Ventimiglia from your favorite show, This Is Us, on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live tonight. And then there's a new Netflix documentary, The Photographer, Murder in Pinamar. Pinamar. Sure. Pinamar. If you say so, I, that's nothing for me. All right, Stuff and things. Good. Very good. 
Thanks today to Brian Billick. Thanks also to Larry Colmas from NBC, as well as to UMBC softball coach Chris Colmeyer. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, we don't have anything tomorrow, do we? Not at the moment. All right, great. We'll uh, stuff and things, as always, coming up on the program tomorrow. Thanks to um, uh, Griffin. We will uh, be uh, getting Griffin a little bit more uh, situated here in the next couple days as he will semi-take over on Monday. It'll be a soft a soft launch for Griffin uh, starting on Monday. Uh, thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third. Thanks to Ryan at Rex Specs Ryan. Thanks to all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great thir- Thursday night. Yeah, it's Thursday. Go Birds, go uh, Loyola and Maryland women. Duke sucks, Ohio State sucks too. If you are with us on video, give us a minute. We'll be back. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. Weekend at Bookies is coming up next. Welcome in to Weekend at Bookies, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Coming up a little bit later on, our buddy Brad Cronthal from Alloy Sports will join us, get his thoughts on NBA playoffs and the baseball slate. But in just a minute here, we'll chat with Andrew Stecka. I think he's recovered from his uh, back waxing last week. He will uh, give us his stats and figures. If there's one thing I need you to learn, uh, we need to don't don't fade music the way that Paul does, Griffin. We got to do better at fading. I, 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 it's not it's not new. You've been doing this forever. Yes, I've said it three times in the last week. Yeah. No, it was not. Anyway, the moral of the story being um, that we'll uh, we got all that coming up on the show. We got it. We, we we fade the music. So when 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 something when you're doing something, just pull it down and fade it out. All right. Uh, joining us now, 
for his Stetson figures. He is our buddy Andrew Stetka, and he's with us on Weekend at Bookies. Have you recovered from the back waxing, sir? I mean, I'm not sure what that means. I got all the wax off of me. I did have to use olive oil, but yes, it's all off. The, I mean, the, the, the pain was what I was referring to. The pain was, was more in the immediacy. There was no lingering okay. pain, it right. was, but it was, there was certainly a pain in the immediacy. Well, thank you for the, the strong sell. I appreciate that, pal. Really appreciate that you, uh, that you came in and you were a showman and, uh, and you sold it well. And, I'm uh, sensing sarcasm on your point. No, I actually think you did. I think you did a fine job. <laughs> oh, okay. of, I think you did a fine job no, of selling it. I have to be honest with you. There wasn't much that I had to sell. It, it was painful. All right. How did Mrs. Steck uh, uh, react to, uh, to the back waxing? I mean, as about as lukewarm as you could. She, she, she asked if, she, if if I wanted uh, her to even it out by by because because really there's just a, a stripe down the middle that is fully waxed. Um, other than that, you know, it was. And did you did you take her up on her offer? Uh, no, I, I, I'm just gonna. Would you leave it like that? I mean, it's it's really not that bad. Oh, for God's not, sakes! The, the, Get... the amount of waxing that actually got done back there is limited. So what you're saying is we need to do it again. You have to fly back across because we didn't do a good enough job. So you have to fly back across the country so we can finish the the, the finish this process of waxing your back. No, I think I think we're good. I think oh, we're good on all, all right, of that. Fair enough. All right, Andrew. Uh, he did pay off his debt to us. He also did send the video um, of him singing "Hero" because we completely forgot about that last Friday. So I appreciate. Yeah, it. things got a little carried away. Yeah, things did. Things got a little out of control. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Stetson figures for this week. Of course, it's PGA Championship uh, week this week. Uh, your last round of Stetson figures were not um, not perfect, to say the least. Yeah, I think we lost two, but we did we did pick up another win on a soccer parlay. Yes, the soccer uh, parlays have gone well. All you, every, gone, you almost think that you should do nothing but soccer parlays. Yeah, well, it is kind of my my wheelhouse. I yeah. think I think I'm five and zero oh so far in soccer parlays. You've got you've got um, you've got a couple of uh, PGA Championship bets that are still out that we will see how they play out, but uh, uh, yeah, missed out particularly on that uh, Suns Heat parlay did not go so well for you. Let's... Yeah, I missed out on the Suns long term bet as well. They they really yeah, uh, yeah. They let all of us down. Yeah, Let's thanks a lot, thanks a lot, jerk. All but right, yeah, it's my fault. What's the first one this week? Well, we're going to go to the Oriole game today, uh, which comes up here shortly. Um, so get your bets in, but I really like. Uh, the under eight runs at minus 104 in the Yankees-Orioles game today. Um, the Orioles have a lot of trouble against sinkers, and that's what Jordan Montgomery uh, specializes in. Um, and frankly, Bruce Zimmerman has some decent success against much of the Yankees lineup as well. It's a getaway day. I just I, I like this to be a low-scoring affair today between the Yankees and Orioles, so I'm going to take the Ori- uh, Yankees-Orioles game under eight runs at minus one. I feel like I had a whole conversation, not with you, I think it was with Brad, about getaway days and unders and just the value of the fact that teams want to leave. Now, I do think it's different when teams are traveling significant distances versus the Orioles who are at home for another three days. Sure. So I, like, I just don't know like what the – I just wish that I had more data about that. At some point, I'm going to dive in on that. Because in general, the theory I agree with, that you just get to a weird afternoon game. You had to be up early this morning. You didn't get a full day to prep for the game. That like You're just sort of in a place where you're like, let's just get this the hell over with already. Well, and with this one, it goes to the pitching matchup as well. You got two lefties on the mound. Um, you know, it's it, there's 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 an element of the pitching matchup involved in this one as well. And and obviously, if you, if you expect anyone to be able to hold down the Yankee bats of, of Oriole pitchers, it would be Zimmerman at this point. 
By the way, the number is dipped to eight. Even. Yeah, that's what I said, eight. Oh, I thought you said eight and a half. Uh, yeah, under eight. All right, under eight. Under eight, very good. Under eight is the number. All right, next one. Next, Stetson, Stetson uh, figures. We're going to go to hockey. I haven't really touched a lot of hockey uh, this, this playoff season, um, but I, I caught a little bit of that Blues-Avalanche game in game one. Went to overtime, obviously, but... That was I hope you bet really... the over on the Calgary game last night. Well, yeah, that Jesus was insane last Christ. night. Um, was, 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 was far away from that one, trust me. But uh, the Avalanche really dominated that game. They, they had a total of 54 shots uh, on St. Louis. The only thing that stopped that from being a blowout was Jordan Bennington in, in goal for, uh, for the Blues. Uh, they won pretty much every category you could think of. The Avs did face-offs, hits, scoring chances. They really dominated despite it being an overtime game. They even outshot the Blues 13-0 in overtime. And they're a really good home team as well. They're 32-5-4 at home on the season. Um, that's why I have value for Game 2 tonight in the Avalanche on the puck line at minus 1.5. You get it at plus 104. Um, I'm not saying the Blues are going to get blown away in this series or anything. Um, I still think they can, they can win a few games, uh, especially when they get back home to St. Louis. But the Avs are such an offensively dominant team. Um, I, and and the, the thing that's kind of nice about hockey too, when you, if you're betting a team minus one and a half, if they've got the one goal game, one goal lead late in the game, you know the other team's pulling the goalie, and there's always a chance for an empty netter to cover your two goal, your your, your one and a half goal spread. So uh, with the value at plus one hundred four, I like the Avs. Minus one and a half on the puck line tonight. Uh, a couple of thoughts. One, the Avalanche are the, the most loaded team. In, I mean, it's insane, right? Like they're, they're just they're just bonkers loaded. Um, the the lines in hockey, you can almost never have it being smaller than one and a half because sure. you have to build in for the idea that there could be an empty net goal at the end of the game. If it's a one goal game, team pulls their goalie, then they're going to score an empty net goal, which makes this a little bit tricky, right? Because to your point, you can dominate a game. And yet, still have it be a, a one-goal game. I mean, my God, the, the Game 7 between Calgary and Dallas, I want to say Calgary outshot Dallas something like 80-20 to 20 or something. It was nuts, right? But like right. It, it still ended up in overtime just because uh, the goalie for Dallas stood on his head. I, in your theory, I, I 100% agree with. I just really find it difficult to bet puck lines in hockey. Like it's it is tough, so but tough. again, the, the, if you're getting plus odds on it, the value for me on that is there. And and you're right, Jordan Bennington can stand on his head again. Right, um, he's been very good in these playoffs. But I, after after having to stop over 50 shots the other night, um, I just I think the value is there to to bet the ads. You know, you could bet the ads on the money line, but you're not going to get the plus odds. I think that there's value at least in in betting them on the puck line. All right, I'm with you. He is Andrew Steck. By the way, I am still. I, I continue to ride the lightning. I've been doing that since the playoffs started, and it's paid out well for that's me. That's a that's a weird turn of phrase. Yeah, right? I know, I right? That. I just came up with it. I don't know if. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I can get it trademarked or not, but I'm going to continue to ride might, the lightning. You might, you might have trouble there. Why? Why? I don't understand. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um. Anyway, the moral of the story being, let's move on. We're in the middle of Stetson figures. Andrew Steck is with us here on Weekend at Bookies. Where are we headed to next? Let's go to back to the NBA. Um. I am. I'm all in on the Celtics to win the series against the Heat. And mm. this is kind of already played out mm. following game one, how I thought it would. I, I waited to bet the Celtics uh, to win this series until after game one because I fully expected them to lose game one coming off a physical series against the Bucks. You were going to have to bet the Celtics as a favorite if you bet them before game one. Now you can get them at plus 125 to win the series from down a game. 
they're plus 138 in game two if you want to go that route. And I'm not saying that they're going to win tonight uh, in game two. I, I still think they have full capability to even drop tonight and fall down 2-0 in the series and win this series. I'm very confident in the Celtics defense uh, getting it together, even though they've been a little bit shorthanded here with some injuries, like I said, coming off of that physical series against the Bucks. Um, but the Celtics, it's kind of hard to remember. In Game 1, they had a 13-point lead. And the fatigue just, you know, from that seven-game series against the Bucks just kind of kicked in. And that's exactly what I expected to happen. I did not expect Boston to be able to go into Miami in Game 1 and steal that one. I fully think they can steal Game 2, but I'm betting them over the long term to win this series at plus 125. So a couple of things there. One, um, it looks like Marcus Smart is going to be back for tonight, yeah. but Al Horford will not. He's still doubtful for Game 2. I do What I would agree with you about is I like the Celtics coming into the series, and so I probably wouldn't waver on that just because they lost Game 1 without Horford and Smart on the floor. I wouldn't waver on whether or not I like him in the series. As long as Al Horford's going to be back by Game 3, I'm probably in agreement with you. Now, if they win game this game tonight, and then they lose Game 3, and then he's back by Game 4, like, you know, you can kind of figure all those things out. I, exactly. I, I just have a little bit of a hiccup waiting on Al Horford right now. And it's... I, I, I don't... Like, I don't know what it is, because it's apparently it's, it's an illness. It's not an injury, correct? It's, yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying on Al Horford. I... I, I, I think they can still... I don't know. He was really critical to them be, winning the last series against a depleted Milwaukee team. Like, they needed... He was critical him. in, like, one of the games. Well, he, he had, was he had that one game where they he only, went off They only and, win the one game because of him, yes. But he was yeah. pretty critical throughout. So, I, I, regardless of, of Horford's status, to, you know, tonight or game three or four, I'm still confident in Boston as a whole. I think that their defense can find ways. Because Miami, I, Miami has Jimmy Butler. They, they've got some pieces. But they don't have the... The, the full collection of a team that I think can sustainably score against Boston. Boston's defense going back to, you know, really to January has been one of the best, if not the best, in the NBA. So I think that, that it will come through. As they say, I, here, here's what I'm going to trademark. Defense wins championships. Oh, oh, where'd you, um, Boston, where'd, you just came yeah. up with that on your own? That's amazing. Exactly. I'm going to like trademark it. that one. Boston like has it. defense, and, and that's what I think is going to carry them to win this series. And again, if you waited until after game one, a game that I did not expect to win, you can get them at plus 125, which I like a lot. All right. Very good. And uh, finally, your final stats and figure for the week. Well, I'm not going to shy away from soccer. Um, yeah, you've done we're, quite we're well. Go, Why wouldn't you? Yeah, we're going to go back to a soccer bet. We're going we're gonna to veer a little bit away from, of course, this weekend is the final weekend of the Premier League season. Um, but I'm going to veer away I believe, from I believe it's known League. as Decision Day. I think that's what they call it in MLS. I don't mm. think they have a fancy name. Mm. For I believe it that is. That, that, I believe that's been used before. I believe. Okay. That's a. Uh, that I'm not making that up. Well, there's not a lot of value to find on the Premier League slate for this weekend. There's a couple games to, to make up games that they have to get in today as well, and then Sunday is the final day of the season. So I'm going to go to the Champions League final, which is going to be contested next Saturday. Um, I really think that Real Madrid has what it takes to lift the cup. I have them at plus 135 to win. Now, you can get Real Madrid to win in the 90 minutes uh, at plus 240, but I'm not 100% sure it's going to happen that way. I think it may take extra time or even penalties, so I'm just going to stick with Real Madrid plus 135 to win. Kareem Benzema has been the best player in the Champions League this season. He's scoring like crazy. Um, Real Madrid has also had the benefit of being able to coast to their title in La Liga a little bit, whereas Liverpool, 
you know, they're still battling to the end of the, day, the last day of the season on Sunday to perhaps maybe have a chance at overtaking Manchester City for the Premier League title. Um, they've also had some injury issues. Mo Salah has been away. Uh, he's expected back for the final, but, you know, there's a few question marks surrounding Liverpool. Uh, these two teams, of course, met in the 2018 Champions League final with Madrid winning. I think we get a repeat of that uh, next Saturday uh, for this season. And I think Real Madrid, I think they won, what is it, 13 in, in their history? I think they lifted their 14. You think I don't know that off the top of my head? No, I have no idea. Um, so I want to make this very clear. You're betting them to not to win, but to lift the cup. Yeah, there's a difference in that, obviously, because as we know with soccer bets, if you just bet on the regular line, um, you know, Liverpool would be plus 105, a draw right. would be plus 260, and Real Madrid would be plus 240. That's for the 90 minutes. But obviously in a cup final, if, if the teams are tied after 90 minutes, it's going to go to extra 30 minutes of extra time, and then if they're still tied, it would go to penalty kick. So I'm, I'm betting on Real Madrid to lift the cup to win the Champions League, not in particular to win it in the 90-minute right. time frame. Which you get is, better odds if you if you if you bet it there, but I'm going to bet them at plus one thirty five just to win the cup. I only say this because let's just say hypothetically, you might have known a guy who bet Italy to win the Euro a couple years ago and was waiting right. for that money to go back into his account and kept looking for it and looking for it and looking for and it and couldn't find it and couldn't find it and said, "What yeah, in the tough. f is going on here?" And uh, maybe sought out somebody who said, "Oh no no no, they they you didn't win." And I said, "No, I did. They won. I'm not sure." I don't, know. I don't know what you're missing here. They won. And they were like, no, they didn't. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll be damned because I could have sworn I saw them winning. And I had to yeah, go through this. One. Yeah, I had to go through this lesson. So you're not betting. You're, you're specifically betting them to lift the cup. Is literally yeah, how the bet is written. There's a different bet there with different odds that you need to hit, and uh, that is that is why I make that distinction because I I've heard that tale before of, of yeah. the Italy bet. So yeah, I didn't want you to make that same mistake. Not it's it's extraordinary stupid extraordinary yeah it's extraordinarily stupid and it's something that the betting people should probably do a better job of of explaining. And I have made that statement a few times. I'm not well. As the betting people that you're asking here, that's yes. why I've explained it. Yes, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm here to save you. Betting Real Madrid at plus 148 to lift the cup at 30, the end. 35, What's yeah, it? 135. It's definitely not. It's definitely 148. I'm looking at it right oh, now. Oh, well, then it's moved. So then, yes. I'll, then I'll take the better odds. 148. It was, it was 135 when I checked it. 148 to lift the cup um, well, but, in the UEFA Champions League final next, it's a next Saturday. At, Next uh, Saturday, yeah. Memorial Day weekend. I miss it when it was the middle of the week. That always made me happy because I would skip class and hang out and pretend like I cared. It was always a very fun day for me. All right. Um, Andrew Stecka, at A Stecka on Twitter is how people can follow you. Uh, anything else I can it. plug for you, my friends? I don't believe so. All I think right. that's it. Very good. Thank you, buddy. We will talk to you in two weeks. All right. All right. Cheers. It's Andrew Stecka with his stats and figures for this week here on Weekend at Bookies. Appreciate him doing that. Yes, even if somebody hangs up, you still have to, to go through the process, Griffin. We're going to get you there. I promise. We just got we to gotta, we gotta be more active, more involved, sharper, crisper. Uh, a harder, better, faster, stronger, I believe, is uh, what we're looking for. Just got to be more on the ball. All right, uh, when we come back in, we will catch up with our buddy Brad Cronthal from Alloy Sports. We will find out uh, his thoughts on both the NBA playoffs as well as the baseball slate. That's coming up next. Don't forget, anything coming up this month, all the big events, the place to be is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, including for that UEFA Champions League final between Liverpool and Real Madrid. 
Reserve your spot right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. This is Weekend at Bookies. Hey, O's fans, break out the orange and black to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Watch the O's take on the Tampa Bay Rays May 20th through the 22nd. Get to the yard early on May 20th when the first 10,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary tumbler presented by Masson. A variety of ticket options are available, including the Orioles Flexible Ticket Bank, Kids Cheer Free, and more. Visit Orioles.com tickets to find a ticket option that's right for you. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Well, you're actually listening to Weekend Bookies right now. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And every time we do this, which is every other Thursday, we like to check in with a friend of ours. Of course, the man behind Alloy Sports. He is our buddy Brad Cronthal, and he's with us now here on Weekend at Bookies. Brad, what's going on, bud? How are you? 
Doing well, Glenn. How you doing? Getting ready for some afternoon baseball here in Baltimore. It's going to be a great day. All right, so let's go through what 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 were you guys working on basketball wise for this week? Because we've we've sort of narrowed things down. We're in the conference finals. What was the strategy that you guys had in play this week with Alloy Sports? Yep, absolutely. We've been tracking the NBA quite hard, and and now we're getting closer and closer to the NBA finals. Now in the conference finals. So the strategy we built this week is. We call it the quality over quantity strategy. Uh, it's hit 61% of the time this year, return on investment of 18%. And really, we did a little bit of reverse psychology for the strategy. So we built it off two stats of three-point attempts per game and free-throw attempts per game. But we're looking at the team coming in with the lower value. So more so making the most of your three-point and free-throw attempts versus just taking more of those. Um, we filtered in looking at home teams and, and teams coming off a loss for, for our results. So one thing that you notice when you're building some strategies now as we get late into the playoffs, you're not always going to have a game populate each night. You know, there's only you know, really one, one game a night um, when we have that. So it's okay when you don't have games populate for a specific strategy. That's just because there's not many games left. I mean, that's a very, that's a very good point. There are not many games left. So, so with that in mind, uh, how's this strategy been paying off so far this week? Yeah, so this strategy... Like I said, it's hit 61% on the year. Uh, there's no projection for this week. I can go back, though, oh, okay. to a strategy that we ran a couple weeks ago. Okay. Uh, and it, that's hit 60% of the time for the spread and about 65% on the money line. We called it our get-out-and-run strategy. And right. this strategy took into account fast-break points, two-pointers made, and points off turnover, teams that take advantage of the fast-break uh, opportunity, opportunities and turnovers. So that game... It's hit twice. We're looking at the heat tonight at minus three and a half on the spread. That's hitting at about 59% with a 16% return on investment or the money line. Like I said, it's hitting 60, 64, 65% this season. So it likes the heat again to win game two at minus three and a half, uh, which is where I'm seeing the lines at FanDuel right now. Just a question for you, Brett. How does, how do your, your guys' strategies, can they take into play at all what's going on like with the Celtics aren't going to have um, Al Horford again tonight like is there any way to factor those things in when you build a strategy yeah so right now as we launch for the NBA our initial offering one thing you definitely want to make sure you do is check that injury report we don't have that factored in when you're building out these stat based solutions so one thing the best thing that I do when I'm building a strategy I'm putting in my metrics, my stats, I'm putting in my filters, I'm seeing my results, and then I'm going to the, the injury list and see who's out tonight, who's probable, who's questionable, and monitoring that uh, game over game. Um, so tonight, the Celtics are expected to get Marcus Smart back. Yep. Hopefully that would help them contain Jimmy Butler, who just went off in game one. Um, but yeah, no Horford. So that's something you also want to account for. And again, betting's not a perfect science, but what we're allowing you to do really quickly and simply with the data um, is build strategies that you think are, are important with factors that you know you find as important. So, and we give you the back testing results, and we tell you what games you know you should be looking for that night. If did, they did, it. did you guys have a feel for what was going to happen last night? How did it go last night with the Golden State Dallas game? Yeah, it's funny. So we, we've got about sixteen really good strategies now that we have saved up. Uh, just going through the list, most of them had the Warriors. Um, winning and covering the spread so you know it was kind of funny it wasn't much of a sweat in that game yeah uh, we were talking to a few other people that have built strategies with us they all liked the warriors as well so um some of these games can really get testy some people had the celtics a few nights ago so they were pretty hot in the first half and then 
you know, got pretty miserable in the second half. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that's just kind of how it goes because with our platform, you're able to build strategies, like I said, that, that you find important and, and friends might have dueling strategies with teams that are completely on the other end of the spectrum. All right, he's Brad Cronthal from Alloy Sports, and he's with us here on Weekend at Bookies. Brad, let's shift. Let's move to the uh, the baseball slate. As you mentioned, we got some weekend or weekday baseball this afternoon here in Baltimore. I, I remember I've got this theory, and I was just talking about this with Stecka a second ago. Getaway days begat low numbers. They begat unders. And I don't know if we can build that into a strategy somehow with Alloy Sports, but I am a believer in that. Do you think I am on to something when betting unders when it comes to getaway day afternoon baseball games? There is certainly something to be, be said about that. I've thought about that the last week or two since you first mentioned that. And I, there's definitely, you know, it's, players are human, right? So they're trying to, to get on the bus, get on the plane as quickly as they can. If they're winning, they want to get in and out. They're throwing more strikes. They're swinging more to contact. I've seen it from working in the baseball business at Masson. So I definitely think there's something to that. Sometimes they've got dinner plans, man. Like, sometimes they're actually planning on doing something with their evening because they know they've got an afternoon game. They're like, we don't want to do it. Let's go. Let's get on with it. I want to get out of the ballpark and be able to go see some people. Something along those lines. All right, so tell me what jumps out at you uh, in looking at today's baseball slate. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start in Baltimore, Yankees, Orioles. And I want to – I'm not 100% confident, but I'm going to go off what you were thinking, and I'm kind of feeling the same way. I like the under eight. In this game, you got two left-handed pitchers. Left field is like hitting it out of the center field in the polo grounds uh, this year with that wall moved back. I mean, guys are hitting it 400-some feet that's hitting the wall. Yep. The Yankees are hitting just 231 against left-handed pitching. The Orioles are hitting 214 with only a 604 OPS. If right-handers are pulling the ball, they're not hitting home runs. Yankees can hit the heck out of the ball, though. So we'll see how that goes. Bruce Zimmerman's been really effective this year. Montgomery going for the Yankees. You know, getaway day. I'm going to go with you, Glenn. I'm liking the under for the Orioles game. This is really nervous because you, myself, and Andrew Steck are all on the under. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm a bit nervous that we're getting into reverse lock territory now. That like, <laughs> if if there's this much agreement, there's no way that it can work out. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's the I think it's the safe bet, and I get it. The Orioles are staying home. I, I whenever we do this math, you and I at some point have to sit down and do this math and figure out if there really is something to this. Um, I do still think that like there would be a slight difference for a team that is staying home versus a team that's you know traveling great distance, but it's the same bit that we were just talking about a second ago. Even the players that are staying home, they're thinking about getting a Thursday night to themselves, and they don't get many of those during the course of the year. So I, I even think those players that are staying home are trying to get the game over with as well. So that just jumps out at me. All right, what else do you see as you look at the baseball slate? It's... Yeah, I'm looking at Cardinals and Mets. Dakota Hudson, Chris Bassett. Bassett's been awesome. The Mets have been awesome. I like the Cardinals against the spread today, plus one and a half okay. uh, on the run on the run line. Um, they're fifteen and four against the spread as away underdogs in their last nineteen games. The Mets won last night. The, the Cardinals keep it close. They got a good lineup. They're solid. They don't strike out too much. Bassett's been great, but I think on the day game, I think this one's going to be a little bit closer. Either the Cardinals take the take the win in the game, or, or they keep it within that that one run uh, mm. spread there. Interesting. You don't think they were broken by the Baltimore Orioles last week? You don't think that, <laughs> that psychologically wrecked them last week, getting losing two or three? I, I know I was, Glenn, having watched those games. I'm like, oh, my God, we can, 
We got defense. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, there was a line, there was a the lot of that showing out. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. You know, the yeah. Orioles. This might be that little turnaround, and then you bring up your Rutschman and your Grayson. Oh yeah. Then, yeah. Well. Anyway. And then anyway. suddenly. Yeah. Uh, so what you're saying is, it really was the Orioles that were broken by winning two of three against the St. Louis Cardinals. That's really really played out there. Um, I'm saying Brad Cronthal was, was Yeah, I mean, a lot of too. us were. Um, uh, you got more for the baseball slate today? Yeah, one last game. I'm looking at Phillies at home against the Padres. Uh, I like the Phillies on the first five money line. Fandle's got his okay. minus 110. Darvish has, has really been terrible on the road this year. He's got a 7-9-1 road ERA, a 3-13 opponent average. Contrast that with Kyle Gibson's been great at home this year. He's got a one nine three ERA, a zero point seven WHIP at home, um, and the Phillies are getting hot. They played really, really well against the Dodgers. They're five and two in their last seven home game. They're going for the series. They're in second place in the NL East. They're trying to get to five hundred. I like the Phillies to win this game, but more importantly, from a starter's perspective, when you're betting on the first five, it's really betting on those starters and then, and then some offense to back it up. So I like the Phillies' first five money line at minus 110. All right. Very good. Remind everybody about what Alloy Sports is doing. Yep. So Alloy Sports, we're a sports betting research platform. We just launched for the NBA playoffs in April. We're gearing up for the NFL in the fall. We let you build your own sports betting strategies in seconds. We backtest it. We tell you how it's worked against the spread. We're on the money line, and then we tell you the upcoming games to bet to make you a better better and, and win money because that's what sports betting is all about. No question. And it's, it's, <clears throat> it's free to sign up? It is free to sign up really through the NBA playoffs now. We have a 30-day free trial, and that would take you through the end of the playoffs. So get on, sign up, test it out. Uh, we're making improvements every day, and, and it's a really powerful tool. It's really cool. I've uh, been able to win a lot of money for our team. Uh, in the NBA season, just data-driven and based off your intuition, so you can really see in real time you know, what clicks and what doesn't. Again, AlloySports.com is the website, and you can also follow them on Twitter, at AlloySports. And Brad, remind everybody where they can follow you. You can follow me at B underscore Cronfo on Twitter, but definitely want to follow Alloy Sports. they yeah. got way more better content on on the the mothership yeah. twitter handle give them a follow for sure all right brad appreciate you brother we'll talk to you in a couple weeks thank you sir thanks glenn have a great weekend brad cronthal alloy sports checking in with us here on weekend at bookies going over we got to at some point we got to do the the research on the the getaway day thing because i am convinced that is a thing i am convinced that that's a whole deal now we need the final ever preposterous prop. What was your last preposterous prop? So my last preposterous pop, prop yeah. I took in the USFL, the Birmingham Stallions. That was the last uh, one? I thought there yeah. was one between those two. No, that was two weeks ago. That was ago. the last one? Right. Um, over the Tampa Bay Bandits, I believe yeah. the line was three and a half, yeah. uh, minus three and a half for the Stallions, and the over was over 41 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took them to cover and hit the over. Uh, they covered. They won by six, mm-hmm. but they did not hit the over for the final score was sixteen to ten. Ah, just another brilliant football game that the USFL has yep. offered to us this it's, season. It's the only team they haven't really blown out this year. This is uh, this is your final one. So I'm um, the final one. It's not a crazy prop. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. But I wanted to do something that we could see if it hit by okay. tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so in today's game, Orioles Yankees, I'm taking the. Um, 
I'm taking the prop of or the parlay of Austin Hayes to hit a home run and the Baltimore Orioles to win oh. at plus 800. Oh. It was When I first saw it, it was at plus 850, went up to plus 900, and currently it's at plus 800. Um, Austin Hayes, for his career, is better against left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching, 268 to 266. But this year... Against uh, right-handed pitching, he's hitting 341, and against left-handed pitching, he's hitting 177 with no home runs. Nice. Going up against the lefty, I think he's going to get his first home run against the lefty today. Oh, uh, he's been their best hitter bold. all year. I think he's going to hit the home run, and the Orioles are going to win. Uh, Austin Hayes, home run, Orioles win at plus 800. It is the when they, so they list out all of the various options for a, a parlaying an Orioles win and or either team winning. They call it a match winner and home run mm-hmm. parlay bet. The first eight all involve the Yankees winning. Yeah, so that's actually your best odds that you can get of an Orioles player hitting a home run and the Orioles winning. You can get Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, Torres, Higashioka, and Hicks, and Marwin Gonzalez, and Lemayhew. You can get all of them. And then you finally get the one that involves the Orioles winning, and that's the Austin Hayes one. Then Anthony Santander also at uh, eight to one. So goes to show you what they think is going to happen today. Yep. But um, eh, I like it. I like it. It's bold, and we'll find out tomorrow. Very Orioles are, uh, are getting stronger, and they're starting to play some better baseball again now that they're getting healthier. So we'll see. Yeah, that still hasn't translated in results. Yeah, but it, it the still Yankees are the, right now are the best. Team I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. Um, don't forget, the best place to be for all of the events, all the playoff games, the Indianapolis 500, the Champions League final, the Gervonta Davis-Rolando Romero fight, every event this month, the place you want to be is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel with those 61 self-service kiosks. You can get all your bets in while you're there. Reserve your spot for any of those events by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. It's events at sportssocialmd.com. Thank you to Brad Cronthal. Thank you to Andrew Stecka. Thank you to you guys for joining us. For Griffin and Paul, I'm Glenn. This has been Weekend at Bookies. May the odds be ever in your favor.